This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio 76 for Thursday, January 27th, 2011. Broadcasting live from the frozen planet of Hoth, a.k.a. New York City. Um, we had a nice 24 inches of snow in some places. I think I had about 16 and a half inches here by my house. It sucks. But, yeah, that's going to be the theme for this evening. Sucky-ass snow weather. Uh, tonight's music, of course, was Street Fighter II, Frets of Fury. The artist was Vertex Sky. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. All right, lots to discuss um, of course, got to get the housekeeping out of the way first. Uh, today was a snow day in New York City. I actually got to stay home from work today and work on some stuff for the site and for the show. In addition to that, if you've been by our Facebook fan page, you will see that there is a link for a survey that I'm putting up just to get uh, gauge some listener and fan feedback for the show regarding a couple of items. Um, we got 630 fans on Facebook, um, please take a minute and take the survey. I really would like to see some more feedback from you guys. Um, thus far, I think uh, 10 people have taken it. And a lot of interesting feedback in regards to segments that people like, dislike, what they'd like to see more of. If you want to help make My Take Radio better and make your voice heard, just take a minute and do the survey. You can look for the link on our Facebook fan page. So definitely head there for that. Uh, MyTakeRadio.com has been getting a couple of updates behind the scenes. Um, I did add some Amazon ads for gaming news items and I believe also for movie items as well that pop up. So, you know, you may get a couple of things from Amazon for cheap if you decide to click one of the ads. So definitely keep an eye there. I didn't put it to generate any particular ads in general, just ads related to either movies or gaming stuff. So, you know, you might come across a gold box deal uh, before somebody else if you're on the site. In addition to that, the donation button that was on the previous site may make its way back to the new one. Not 100% sure how I want to proceed with that just because, you know, I'm not going to sit here and ask you guys for handouts, but if you want to continue to support the show, by all means, I will find a way to make it so without twisting your arm about it. Um, of course, our content partners, MMA Valor and This Week in Wrestling Podcast, have been providing content for the site. MMA Valor actually gave a really great write-up on the upcoming Strike Force event, which is this Saturday at 10 p.m. on Showtime. Definitely check it out. Share your feedback either via comments on the article or on our Facebook fan page. Of course, the MTR app 
on iTunes has been doing very well. I've gotten some great feedback because of it. It's actually been spotlighted on CNET as well. So if you get a chance, you can actually come across the MySake Radio app on CNET. Uh, pretty straightforward write-up about it, but still, you know, it's pretty cool to see little things like that popping up all over the place. Um, of course, my guest this evening will be Amazing Red. He'll be calling in probably around 11.30 or so. Um, he was supposed to be wrestling this weekend for ICW against Low Key, uh, but given the sudden change from good weather to completely shitty snowpocalypse weather, he his match will be rescheduled, I believe, for March 4th. Nonetheless, we're going to talk about his wrestling school, what's been going on with TNA lately, and we'll even talk about his upcoming match with Loki, given the history that they have. Uh, the MTR t-shirts are available. You can head over to mytakeradiotees.spreadshirt.com. Uh, we got a couple of things on there, some hoodies, some sweatshirts. Um, more designs will be coming up probably within the next couple of weeks. It's it's just a bit of a feeling out process, but if you want to get yourself an MTR shirt or a hoodie, definitely head there and check that out. Of course, the Shorty Awards are going on, so if you are a Twitter user, take a second and head over to shortyawards.com and nominate MTR either in gaming or entertainment. I've seen some of the competition we're up against, and not to shit on those guys, but I think we do a better job here. But, of course, I'm going to say that bit of self-interest, but it's all good. Head over to shortyawards.com and take a moment and nominate us either in gaming or entertainment. Last but not least, also want to throw out that next week's guest for wrestling fans will be the president of Ring of Honor, Carrie Silkin. He will be joining me next week. We're going to be talking about Ring of Honor's uh, departure from HDNet, what's going to happen with their television presence, um, how they're differentiating themselves from the competition and some of the talent that's there, and what can we expect in the future. So definitely be on the lookout for that next Thursday at 11 p.m. when Carrie Silken from Ring of Honor comes through to join us. Uh, some of our topics for this week, we're going to talk about Monday Night Raw. Um, we're also going to talk about the UFC fight for the troops, which was a phenomenal event. Um, some of the MMA news, of course. We're going to talk about the, the NGP or the PSP2 um, and its impact on the portable gaming scene from last night's announcement from Sony Japan. Definitely, my take on that is going to be uh, interesting, to say the least, just because of some of the things that are um, being put on the Internet regarding this system and how all of a sudden everybody goes from uh, the death knell of Sony in the portable gaming space to automatically worshipping this unit. So definitely want to share my thoughts on that. we got some movie news as well. We're also going to talk about some serious numbers that the Kinect did and also not to mention, and I can't leave it out, I wanted to talk about a little bit about the new upcoming Thundercats reboot, which I posted a photo on the Facebook fan page. And um, needless to say, there are certain things I don't like, but I'm starting to see where they plan on going with this. Nonetheless, not the worst thing in the world, but I feel that there's so many other things that could have been done better. But with that said, we are actually going to jump right into it with some MMA news first. And definitely not a, a, a chalk week of MMA news, but definitely some solid stuff. Let's get right into it. All right. 
first off, UFC Fight Night 23, the fights for the troops, was a fantastic event from start to finish. A lot of people took the opportunity last week to tell me that the card wasn't really as solid as they would have liked. I reinforced the fact that it's on free TV and it's MMA for a good cause. So, you know, those guys that complained about the card, you guys were proven wrong because there were definitely some great fights. I'm going to go through some of the fights that I got to catch. Um, one fight in particular that wasn't on the televised card that I was really looking forward to seeing, well, two fights actually was the Mike Brown versus Ronnie Yaya fight and the uh, Mike Guyman versus Demarcus Johnson fight. Uh, first off, the Mike Brown fight was very competitive from start to finish, but Ronnie Yaya just just put put really great work in all three rounds. Um, one thing is that Yaya, most of the times that the round ended, will always look to be in a pretty dominant position. Uh, Mike Brown tried to work some submissions, but it just it just wasn't his fight this time. And it's unfortunate, especially because Mike Brown, you know, he was a, a former WEC champion, and with the merger between the WEC and the UFC has become, not to say an afterthought, but definitely not um, a guy who's been in the game the way he should have been. He should have. I, I was actually expecting this card to be on the TV portion, so strange things going on. Some people are saying that Mike Brown, you know, his next fight is going to be a make or break for him in regards to his tenure in the UFC. I think that people should definitely give Mike Brown a chance. He's a, he's a great fighter, and people get caught, man. Shit happens. The welterweight bout with Mike Guyman and Demarcus Johnson, I'm a huge fan of the Joker. Uh, Mike Guyman is a uh, a great a great fighter. He's a, an exceptional human being. He's got some uh, a really sad but very uplifting story that he shared on MMA Gospel not too long ago, and it made me a fan of him. Um, it was just unfortunate. He's just has been on a, on a downswing as of late, and you know I'm going to discuss his future later on in the MMA segment. But in his match with Demarcus Johnson, um, quick it just ended quickly. Uh, Mike Guyman actually got caught. In, um, in a submission from Demarcus Johnson, and the body triangle that he was caught in ended up allowing, you know, making Mike Guyman have to verbally tap out, either because of a cracked rib or a back injury. I'll discuss that later on in the segment. Um, I was very bummed out. Uh, great performance by Demarcus Johnson, for sure. Um, uh, just big things for him, especially coming off of the Ultimate Fighter. But as a fan, I'm sad to see the Joker lose, but... Uh, like I said, I'll elaborate more on that later in the broadcast. In the prelim fights that were televised, the lightweight bout between Eve Edwards and Cody McKenzie, um, I expected Cody McKenzie to really come in there and take advantage of his signature guillotine choke and submission game that he uses. Um, Eve Edwards definitely in the first round was caught a lot by Cody McKenzie in some really um, bad predicaments. But in round two, Edwards turned it on, and he actually ended up catching Cody McKenzie in a submission. You know, catching the submission guy in his, in his bread and butter definitely was, uh, was good for the master of thug jitsu himself. I was very happy uh, to see Eve Edwards win. Uh, Cody McKenzie's a, a great asset for the lightweights. He's a, he's a really strange guy, but his fighting style is so unique in the way he carries himself in the octagon is just, it just, I have to tell you guys, it's something that you really got to check out just because he, he's such a strange dude. He almost looks like a serial killer. He has a little bit of uh, the, the guy from Kate Fear vibe to him and a bit of a stoner vibe as well, but talented fighter, man, and I was surprised that he gave Eve Edwards such a hard time in the first round. 
Um, the matches on Spike TV, um, one thing, they were all solid. Anybody who speaks negatively about some of these fights, I, I don't know what the fuck you guys were watching. Uh, the lightweight bout to open things up was with Cole Miller and Matt Wyman. Uh, Matt Wyman completely knew Matt Wyman that went in there. He threw Cole Miller, Cole Miller a fucking beating, which I was surprised, especially because Cole Miller's a, such a such a standout in the lightweight division. But this is a new and improved Matt Wyman, and he actually looked great in there. He actually took the fight, and he ended up winning by unanimous decision across the board. So very impressed with Wyman's performance for sure. Um, on the heavyweight side, Pat Barry and Joey Beltran, holy shit. Um I'm a really huge fan of Pat Barry. I like his uh, his real laid-back, chill mentality. Not only that, but he has some of the best kickboxing that I've seen in the heavyweight division in some time. Fantastic from start to finish. Joey Beltran, definitely no slouch. The guy can take a fucking beating. In the first round, it was definitely all Beltran. Uh, he was working he was working his dirty boxing a lot. Pat Barry was, wasn't really hitting his stride, but in round two, man... Pat Barry turned on the switch. I think it was probably after that inadvertent nut shot from Joey Beltran that definitely rung his bell. And Pat Barry started just destroying his leg with leg kicks. It was just disgusting. Every time you heard um, the shin to, to quad, you just winced in pain. Uh, Pat Barry definitely has some really disgusting leg kicks. And Joey Beltran's leg was practically destroyed by the end of that fight. Pat Barry did end up winning via unanimous decision. Um, but definitely, you've got to say, Beltran has a lot of heart. The guy comes in there doing that dirty boxing. He's no joke. And like I said, he took, he took his beating like a champ. So great performance out of Joey Beltran and um, a definite heartfelt victory speech from Pat Barry, um, who was reading his dad's dog tags, you know, for the tribute to the troops. He was very emotional. Um, definitely a, a great fight, man, for him, and, you know, definitely honoring his dad's memory. I was, I was very impressed with Pat Barry. A lot of people on the web were talking about that, you know, he didn't look as good as he should have looked. Joey Beltran, you know, served him in the first round. And I have to disagree with some aspects of that just because, you know, everybody has to get that, you know, you got to get that, um, that adrenaline dump out and start hitting your stride. And Joey Beltran, Pat Barry said it himself, the guy's a zombie, he can take a beating. And, and that guy definitely proved it, even with his leg destroyed he was still trying to get in there and go for the kill. So definitely uh, no, no disrespect to Joey Beltran and definitely a great performance by Barry. Um, in the featherweight fight, Mark Hominick was fighting George Roop. Um, Hominick, of course, was going to be challenging the one and only Jose Aldo with his victory over George Roop. And since the guy knew that the title contention was on the line, he did not disappoint. Mark Hominick, as soon as the bell rang, he came out, he caught George Roop with a hook. There was a nice little exchange. He caught him with another hook, and that was a wrap. George Roop got put to sleep. Mark Hominick takes it via TKO. Um, definitely going to be interesting to see Mark Hominick and Jose Aldo lock up for sure. It's going to be a great fight. On the heavyweight side of things, we had Tim Haig fighting Matt Mitrione. Um, Matt Mitrione, or uh, the lovable goof that he is, I can almost um, compare him to the yellow Eminem, and i got to give props to my fiancé for that. She's like, he's so... He's so gingerly and jolly, and it's it's funny because you'd look at him and he just you'd assume the guy is a fucking goober, but he you know he comes in there and he he gets it done, man. He looked really good against Tim Haig. A lot of people are 
uh, talking about title aspirations. I think that Mitrio needs at least two more fights before that happens. I think he really needs to be tested. A lot of people said that him fighting Tim Haig wasn't exactly a test, and people feel that Haig sucks. Uh, it's an easy assumption for people to make when they don't lace on a pair of four-ounce gloves and go in the octagon. I feel that every fighter has, a, has their talent. Some guys are just better than others. But Tim Haig definitely got, got taken to school by Mitrion. Mitrion was moving really well. He had great footwork. He had great stand-up. I, like I said, I think he definitely needs two more fights to get into some sort of a title contention. Uh, definitely, a lot of people are saying for him to fight Czech Congo. I'd like to see that. I'd also like to see a Mitrion and Roy Nelson fight. Those would be great fights to see for Mitrion and definitely true tests to see if he deserves to be in the upper in the upper level of heavyweights for sure. Uh, to close it out, we had a lightweight bout with Evan Dunham and Melvin Gillard. Evan Dunham came in with a lot of fanfare, um, really, really great stand-up, but it was Melvin Gillard's night. I got to tell you, Melvin Gillard came in there, and he, he was not playing. He came in there, and he just fantastic stand-up, uh, just really great boxing. His speed, his footwork was on point. Uh, Melvin Gillard took it, of course, via TKO. Melvin Gillard feels that he needs to be in the lightweight title hunt. He feels he is the dark horse, and I can't blame him. I definitely would like to see him uh, fight a, a, you know, an upper-tier lightweight so he can get himself into some title contention. Overall, it was a fantastic card from start to finish. I was thoroughly impressed, and not only that, but it's for the benefit of the men and women of our armed forces, so... Can't, you can't shit on an event like that, and I personally found nothing wrong with it whatsoever. Moving on into some MMA news, uh, UFC 126 Countdown will debut on Spike TV February 2nd at 7 o'clock. Uh, you're also going to get a replay the 5th, and of course the UFC 126 will be the 5th. You'll be able to catch the replay at 6 o'clock Eastern on Spike. The main event is Anderson Silva and Vitor Belfort. You got Forrest Griffin and Rich Franklin, Jake Ellenberger and uh, Carlos Eduardo Roca, Bader and Johnny Bones Jones, Antonio Banuelos versus Miguel Angel Torres. Um, on the prelims, you got Paul Kelly and Donald Cerrone and Chad Mendes versus Omigawa, which are great fights. On the prelims, which are not televised, you'll see Gabe Rudiger and Paul Taylor, uh, Demetrius Johnson fighting Kid Yamamoto, which I definitely got to find a way to see that. Kyle Kingsbury and Ricardo Romero and Mike Pierce versus Kenny Robertson. So you'll be able to check those fights out. Um, the prelims on Spike TV, of course, will probably be at 9 o'clock on February 5th. The prelims, which won't be untelevised, I'm sure there will be uh, some way to get those matches. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Of course, it wouldn't be an MMA segment without some comments from Dana White, of course. Dana White was discussing a couple of things this week. Uh, when asked about the lightweight title, the light heavyweight title scene, he responded with the following. There are so many guys at 205 pounds. Rampage is probably next in line. Rampage is still in the mix. We've got Johnny Bones Jones and Ryan Bader on the fifth, which is going to be a great fight and catapults one of these guys to the top five. There, White said that there are so many guys in the 205-pound division, the big problem has been Shogun's injury has been clogging up the division. Now he's healthy and going to fight, and we'll get everything rolling. When asked about if Hoyce Gracie was going to fight again, he stated, we're actually doing a fight in Brazil on August 29th. It's our first time ever going to Rio de Janeiro. We went down there to do a big press conference. Gracie came with us and was part of the press conference. He's still very close to the UFC, and we talk to him all the time. He still wants to do one more fight. He's retired right now. 
White also added that he's a good guy, though. We look at him as the father of the whole thing. We've got nothing but respect, and he's still very much involved with us. I think that with a UFC card in Brazil, Hoist Gracie definitely should get an opportunity to fight in front of his hometown crowd. It would be definitely something to be seen for sure, and I'm a huge Hoist Gracie fan. I mean, the guy fucking started this whole thing, so to see him fight in, in Rio de Janeiro would be fantastic. When asked about Machida and Ortiz, Dana White stated that I don't think Machida. I didn't. I never thought Machida was going to lose. Shogun beat him. Then he lost to Rampage too. Now he's fighting Randy. It's a must-win fight for him. Tito's got to win this fight to stay in the UFC. Dana White said that if Tito loses this fight, he'll probably retire. Which of course Tito Ortiz has disputed online. I definitely feel that this will be the swan song for Tito in the UFC. And if he doesn't get past Little Nog and does not retire there will definitely be a new organization that will scoop up Ortiz immediately. Honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing it. And this is a big if. Um, if Tito loses uh, and he doesn't and he gets cut by the UFC, I'd honestly like to see him in strike force, which a lot of people probably are going to raise an eyebrow at that statement. But the reason is I definitely wouldn't mind seeing a Tito Ortiz-Frank Shamrock fight uh, one last time on the strike force side of things. Um, that that's the only other thing I see. Definitely a, a great a great way to go for Tito, and I think that if he were to fight Frank Shamrock, it should be a fight that he just does for the for the big payday, and he retires. Not to say that Tito doesn't have it anymore, but the game has just evolved so much, and I feel that he's just not evolving with it. When Dana White was asked about Nick Diaz, of course, uh, Nick Diaz is always an interesting topic of discussion, regardless of who you ask. Um, Dana White said, the problem with Nick Diaz is Nick won't play the game even a little. You can't flip off the athletic commission. You can't tell people, you can't tell people shit like that. You have to play the game a little bit. When Nick Diaz wants to play just a little bit and nobody's telling him not to be who he is and not act the way he wants, we'd love to have him back in the UFC. I think that one of the things that makes Nick Diaz personally, in my eyes, a, a great fighter is that the guy comes in there and it's business. It's not, you know, very rarely, I mean, there are occasions when it's personal, but the guy looks at it as business. He's good at his craft. He has a, l a little bit more freedom in strike force, so I respect the fact that, you know, he really, Nick Diaz can probably come into the UFC and do some major damage. He wants to come in and fight George St. Pierre, but, of course, Dana White has his opinions on Nick Diaz as a, as, as a person, especially the fact that, you know, he does flip off the crowd. He does showboat. But those are aspects of his character that I think you've got to take if you want to have the big paydays. Brock Lesnar shit on a sponsor, too, you know, when Brock Lesnar came in, and we saw where that went. Sometimes playing the game is good, but it's not something that's mandatory. So if this is what it takes for Nick Diaz to be in the UFC, I'll wait. As I said earlier, Mike Guyman was um, interviewed after his UFC loss, and he actually announced that he is going to be retiring from MMA. Um, definitely I was bummed to read that when I heard it. Um, when asked about retiring, he said, it's too hard on my heart and on my mind. That's when I knew it was time. I'm at peace with retirement. I've accomplished all I've wanted to accomplish. When asked about his injuries leading to the fight, he had a problem with a rib, and he also had an issue with two vertebrae. Um, the injuries that he sustained from the fight were some ruptured discs, and they're going to take four to six weeks to heal. So... When people asked what changed him in regards to a fighter, he stated with the old joker, my mentality was there not to give a damn. But, you know, I was, I was a mean son of a bitch. I had a fire burning in me that you couldn't stop. 
Um, but ever since that incident, when I tried to take my life, they put me on some medication, and it really changed me. I couldn't find myself in training, that fire I had within me. In the fight with Demarcus Johnson, it was like I was watching myself on TV and not really there. I didn't have the fire, and I can't go into fights like that. I can only go into fights when, I, when, I, when I'm in the mood to fight. So, you know, I, I respect that. I respect the fact that if his heart wasn't in it, it was time to step away. And, um, again, I'm bummed to see it. It's definitely some shit. But, hey, it, you know, I'm, not, I'm sure he's going to continue uh, running his school and teaching future fighters um, to, that will be the future of the sport. So, definitely, Godspeed to Mike Guyman, and uh, thanks for everything you've done in the UFC. And with that, I'm going to take a quick commercial break. And when we get back, we're going to talk some wrestling right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter... Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights, on all games. All right, let's talk some wrestling. And, um, of course, you know, why why wouldn't Blog Talk Radio work? Why does nothing work? All right, here we go. Hopefully the shit plays now. Yes, sir, we promised you a great main event here Let's talk a little wrestling. Uh, first off, of course, I want to just go into Monday Night Raw this week for a couple of reasons. Um, besides the fact that this this coming Sunday is the Royal Rumble, was the fact that you know we got to see a couple of interesting developments storyline-wise for WWE leading up to the Rumble. Good, bad, or otherwise, Raw wasn't a complete sack of shit this week, but there was definitely um, a couple of things that raised an eyebrow or two. Of course, the main event was the champion versus champions match with Edge fighting The Miz. But before we get to that, let's go through some of the other ones. Um, of course, Edge popped up, cut a little bit of a promo to get things started. Uh, there was a nice little exchange between him and the Raw GM. Uh, Edge ended up being involved in an over-the-top rope challenge uh, with the winner getting the chance to come in at number 40. So, of course... Tyson Kidd got tossed to the Wolves, Drew McIntyre, and Jack Swagger. Edge actually ended up throwing all three of the guys over the top rope. So, of course, you know, Edge said that he will go and prepare for his match. Like I said, a, a, a decent opener, but, again, it was almost a no-brainer, and you can see the writing in the, on the wall that Edge was not going to get tossed over the top rope by any of these guys to come in at number 40. Uh, regardless of what kind of a Superman push they give Drew McIntyre, he is fucking vanilla as shit. I don't know what happened with Jack Swagger. Everybody was kind of on his shit for a little bit, and they thought he was going to be the next Kurt Angle or the next big thing. But um, he's kind of fallen flat. And Tyson Kidd, I don't know. Some weeks I think he's going to have some shades of greatness. Then they fucking just toss him into the fucking wind. Who knows? Second match on Raw was John Morrison and Mark Henry against Sheamus and Alberto Del Rio. Um... 
definitely a, a really good match. A lot of people shit on Mark Henry, but Mark Henry is usually thrown in there to take some of the bigger spots that always look cooler when done to his to, done to his big ass. Um, I'll tell you this. If I had a favorite for the Royal Rumble this week, you know, everybody's going to go with the obvious John Cena, um, John Morrison. I actually think Del Rio has a shot of winning it. And, you know, a lot of people give Del Rio a lot of, a lot of shit um, just because they, they feel that his gimmick hasn't caught on. I think that he's one of the most consistently solid heels on SmackDown. I'm not talking about in the WWE. I'm just talking about on SmackDown. He's a, he's a definite solid heel. Um, his program with Rey Mysterio definitely left a lot to be desired. But given some time, I think Del Rio would definitely be a guy that can carry the brand as a bad guy. And uh, an opportunity at WrestleMania, I think, while unfortunate that they, that they would put the belt on him so quick, I honestly feel that at this stage in the game he should have um, an IC or U.S. title opportunity. And that would help kind of start cementing his status a bit. Tossing him into the main event is a, is a risky maneuver because if you toss him in right away and he just doesn't catch on any more than he has, then his character is going to be dead in the water. And this has happened before. Daniel Bryan is a perfect example. The guy's your champion, great wrestler. What does he do every week? Cannon fodder. Bullshit segments. But um, definitely something to keep an eye on with Del Rio, just because Del Rio's the guy, like I said, that he has the potential to be a really great heel. I'm not saying that he's going to be um, an Eddie Guerrero comedy heel or something like that, but I just think that his, his holier-than-thou, I'm-better-than-you mentality is, is, a, is a great compliment to his character, and it works well on SmackDown. There's, there's not many bad guys on SmackDown that can carry the fucking brand, so definitely I can see he's my, he's my dark horse pick to take the Rumble. My safe pick is going to be John Morrison because I think he's going to definitely get pushed up there, and, you know, they, they see a lot of potential in him. His mic work, like I always say, not the best, but his in-ring ability is unquestioned for sure. We had a Divas title match with Melina and Natalia. Um, pretty cookie-cutter from start to finish, of course, with the Melina heel turn in full effect. Um, Natalia ended up retaining with the sharpshooter in the match. I definitely see um, Awesome Kong debuting at the Royal Rumble. Anybody who thinks anything less is probably high off their ass. The only reason is because at this point, there's not many more matches you can do in the Divas division. I really don't think they're going to try and turn uh, Beth Phoenix and make her feud with Natalia at this point, given the fact that you have Lay Cool on SmackDown, so you've got to have... Uh, a, a nice balanced number of heels and faces, but I think that bringing Awesome Kong in definitely would be the way to go, um, especially for the Rumble. Uh, I would go out of my way after the fact and have her join the Nexus, which a lot of people are going to shit on me for, and you know what? Look at the logistics in this. Any group, any stable in wrestling, as far as I've always seen, should always have title aspirations. You should always have two guys for your tag belts, one guy for your mid-card belt, one guy for your main belt, and, of course, if you can get a woman in there for the women's title, you should. And I always feel that a stable should systematically go through a roster, and to solidify themselves as being the shit, they should definitely get all the belts. And this is something that can be done either with Nexus or with the core, for that matter, just because, again, it's the only way that you can start adding a little bit of real, genuine validity to the group. The Nexus was well on its way with that, and they started setting up that this week, um, of course, with the face-off with the core, which, 
you know is going to inevitably lead to them feuding, whether only in the Royal Rumble or in the weeks after that. There's definitely going to be a lot going on with um, the Nexus and the core. But, again, like I said, the only thing that's going to help this group is going to be the fact that they're going to, they're going to need to make an aggressive attempt at getting belts. When Husky Harris and um, McGillicuddy were in the tag match, um, their, their performance against Santino and Kozlov definitely uh, spoke volumes in regards to them challenging for the belts next and I'll elaborate further uh, more on that a little bit in the recap. Um, of course, the Miz and Edge, I was shocked that they ended up throwing this, um, I would say, in the middle of the, of the, of the show, but not, I'd say three-quarters of the way through. Um, it was what you expected. It, neither guy was going to win. Um, it, well, it was going to gain any unfair advantage. The only thing I don't like, which bugs me, is that you should have just done in a run-in for a double DQ or something, uh, giving Edge the victory doesn't do anything for his momentum going into the Rumble, and making the Miz lose again, whether you hate the Miz or not, is definitely not the way to go. I think that when you have your champion, uh, whether heel or face, you have to look at different ways to make sure that they get over leading into big pay-per-views. The Miz is a guy, like I said, whether you hate him or not, if he's going to be the the heel champion you need to kind of keep him strong leading into events like this just because people will look at it and they'll be like, oh, man, there's nobody to stop the bad guy, blah, 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 blah. What's going to happen at the pay-per-view, this, that, and the third? That's what you want to do. You want to make sure that there's some sort of a, of a setup to keep your heel champion strong and your face champions as well. I think when it comes to title matches, you really shouldn't go too crazy um, sunning your, your, your champion's going so close into the pay-per-view. It's just not a way I see things working. Moving on, they did a uh, Daniel Bryan and Bella Twins uh, mixed tag match with Ted DiBiase and Maurice. It was complete horse shit from start to finish. Um, of course, this was just the setup for the Bellas to um, walk in on Daniel Bryan, who's been dating Gail Kim for six months, quote-unquote. And, of course, this led to a little bit of a, of a Donnie Brook between the three ladies, and, of course, Daniel Bryan being caught in the middle of it. Not exactly sure where they want to go with it. A couple of um, very interesting real-world remarks were made. Um, of course, Gail Kim not being seen on TV and the Bella Twins just being um, arm candy for the guest host. Definitely very interesting set of events that they're trying to set up. And, like I said, not the, not the best segment to go with. Um, I've just been told that Red is on the line. Uh, we're going to bring him in real quick. Hello? Red, what's going on, dude? Yo, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, dude? Welcome back. Oh, welcome back, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, man. since the last time you were here, a lot of shit has happened. Um, you gained a brother, uh, <laughs> and um, your match was postponed, like I told the guys earlier this week, and you opened a school. Uh, first off, we'll start with the school first. Uh, let everybody know about the school now that it's official and uh, what information they can obtain to check it out. Okay, the school is located at 1630 Whitfield Street, and if you want to know any info on it, you go to houseofgloryonline.com, and it'll tell you everything on there. All right, uh, cool. And 
how uh, um, how are your classes? How are, how are the classes coming along? Are you are you running most of the classes, or do you have a couple of different guys helping you out? Um, right now it's still like uh, a little not um on schedule yet, just because we still try and get all the students you know that we need to like uh, start a legit school or whatever. Because we got a couple of students, but most of them come in at different times, so we're trying to like I guess to help them out. And the fact that uh, if they come out too late, we'll, we'll, we'll open up late for them. But now we have a schedule that we're trying to run by. But the thing is that there's not that many students yet, but we're waiting for them to show up. And then um, we're going to start being more strict with the schedule and stuff like that. But uh, so far, so good, man. We got a bunch of kids, and uh, they're hungry kids. That's what's up, man. I definitely am, am happy to hear that. Um, I had been meaning to ask you, and I didn't get to ask you the last time you were here, um, what prompted you to want to open the school? Uh, that was like a little dream of me and my cousins, like uh, just from the, uh, we actually also seen, you know, you know, Dragon Gate, how they have like students and stuff like that, and like when Dragon Gate first came out, like Ultimo and stuff, we were looking at them like Ultimo's kids and like SEMA and like in Tokyo Magnum and Dragon Kid and, you know, they were like a cool clique, like and all their students were like all cool, like and, you know, they were nasty, like all good legit high flies and stuff like that, so me, John Cohen, always wanted to, like, make our own little kind of dojo school and just, like, develop cool-ass wrestlers from it because, you know, we know we can do it, you know. Uh, uh, just some, some sort of, like, a, like kind of like a, a dojo kind of gang thing, like, we'll have, like, our own kind of crew. But it was, like, the, you know, idea that um, we'll have, like, our own group of guys that wrestles, not just like us, but, like, have the same, you know, mindset and mentality, like, uh, you know, they bring something new to the table, like a fresh kind of group of, of kids. Like when when you see them, you're like, "Oh, sweat!" That's like you know the the student uh, the students of the SAT, and they're awesome stuff like that. Well, do you feel that that people definitely give you shit, especially because you you guys are younger and are expanding into a school? Have you gotten any sort of a of you know negative feedback in in regards to going in this direction? Uh, no, no, I haven't <clears throat> I haven't heard anything negative feedback honestly and if I do I wouldn't I could care less because we finally got the school to finally pop off we were waiting for this to happen like the whole last year we, you know it was going to happen and then it, it got postponed and it was going to happen and then we lost the building and the insurance we've been through a bunch of, uh, a bunch of shit last year with the school because it's like a bunch of stuff you had to get done but we finally got one we got you know a couple of kids they're pretty good guys uh, we have our own gym finally and just the only thing I'm, you know, missing too is like uh, we're missing one of the members of the SAT, uh, official members. So it's just me and Joel and Quiet Storm right now, and uh, Brian Excel who's really running it now. Yeah, I actually, I saw, I saw some video. I saw um, you guys were doing the tumbling where you were teaching the bumps. You definitely, there's a couple of guys that that are catching on really quick. I saw the the videos yeah, yeah, you did really with quick. Jay with Jay Lethal, and and they were they're, they're coming along well, man. I was very impressed. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Joel is there most of the time because uh, I'm busy taking care of the things and stuff like that. And Brian's there all the time. And Quiet Storm, I think, I think maybe show up twice, but uh, he, you know, he lives on uh, Manhattan or whatever. But uh, he'll make it a couple more times as we get more students and the schedule is, you know, more in place. Then uh, that's that's how I want to see the school. You know, like just see classes of like you know, like a dojo, like you know, everybody bike bumping and then just bringing them everywhere with us and stuff like that. It's not there yet, but it'll, it'll get there. Oh yeah, I um, you know, I've been I, I've been telling you, I know that our communication has been a little off just because I know you've been on the road with TNA and now you're back home and then you know the ICW situation. But I definitely want to go in there, man, and I want to take a bump on camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, man. Like, I love how people, like, talk mad trash about wrestling or say it's fake or, you know, oh, I can do that and stuff. And once they take that first bump, they're like, holy crap. Yep. That's what <laughs> I'm like saying. A, That's I, why I said it. I'm not, I'm not saying that you're saying that, but I'm just saying I love when, when people, like, because we're, we're around the boxing area and, like, MMA area. And, you know, they're watching us wrestle because they're in the boxing and MMA's on the other side and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, obviously they're, you know, you can see them looking at us while we're while we're wrestling, and they they'll stop boxing or stop doing their training. They'll probably get in trouble for it, but they're looking at us because you know, we're taking bumps and they're loud as noises. You can you know you can hear it like through the whole building. And uh, a couple of times when their classes are over, they'll come up to us and you know if that really hurts. You know, uh, can I take a fall? You know, I want to see how it feels. You know, you know that stuff is not real and stuff. And I love when they come in and they take that first fall and they're like, oh my god, and they give it like a a big respect, you know, because. Uh, <laughs> You can't do the book by its cover, and I love when they get in there and their faces when they hit that canvas. It hurts, man. Well, you know, well, you know, the funniest thing was tough enough opened a lot of people's eyes to that, and that's where that's where I said I'm like, you know, when you were saying you had opened the school, you know, like I said, I want to write something up for the site and do some video on it. But I said to myself, I want to definitely go and take a bump so I know how how the experience works. I mean, you know, I, I, I've taken martial arts, and you know, you you can you can get hit. And do and do stuff like that, but it's a different feeling in taking a bump. And I know you'll agree because you feel, uh, uh, you know, it reverbs through your whole body when you take that bump, just because you're using, you know, the flat of your back to to take the majority of the impact. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people like it's gonna be, you know, it's natural at first to like get dizzy or almost feel faint or like you're about to throw up. But I guess that's your body like telling yourself, uh, get ready because there's gonna be a lot of pain coming up. Cause Obviously now I'm used to it. I can just take a bump like on the floor and I feel it. But when you the, the first set of bumps is like the hardest ones. They hurt, man. They, they shake your brain and everything. Like you, well, know, you know, you start thinking about life after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna ask you when it comes when it comes to taking bumps on the on the floor, especially you know when you're doing when you're doing bumps where where you know the protective floor padding or something like that is pulled up. How do you guys, how's the preparation for that? Because, you know, no matter how you look at it, and, I, and you know, I, I've been trying to figure out the science just because, you know, it, it's good stuff to, to discuss with you, but how, how is there any prep work for that, if any? On the floor and stuff? Like the, yeah, like if you take a just, floor you, bump. No, you're going to get hurt regardless. Like the, there's no covering up that, you know, you can cover up so it won't hurt as much, but it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt regardless, man. Like uh, there's no really... Outside is outside. No, no safety. <laughs> no, yeah. Like uh, I used to, like I said before, I used to do like those old school kung fu movies or whatever, and I would do this stuff outside and playgrounds and concrete floor, thinking that it's fun. So I kind of like took ten years of my body just doing that. But um, I'm kind of used to it just because I used to do stuff like that, you know, and just watch Jackie Chan and everybody how they fall and how they roll. I just try to land, if not like uh, hands first, I try to land like completely flat because it, it just it minimizes the the, the the blow. Not as much, but, you know, I don't want to take the full on because then you get winded and you can't even breathe for a while. But uh, yeah, now that's, the floor is the floor. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, I saw I saw the, the video that you had put up, you know, with the with, with some of the stunt stuff you did for, for Halloween, the Halloween vid. <laughs> oh, and, um, yeah, I had, I dude, come on, I, I do my homework, homie. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I had a lot of good laughs with that. And it's funny because, one of the things that uh, it seems, and you know, everybody's talking about it with John Morrison, is, is you know the, the the whole influence of parkour now, and uh, yeah. you know, it, it seems to be one of those things where 
in watching people execute it, it seems to be definitely something that's built almost to be used in wrestling. Yeah. What do you think? Do you think it's, it, it's, you're going to start seeing more guys trying to do stuff like that, or, or they're going to try and emulate I, well, I, more? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, uh, I've been releasing stuff like that since uh, 2000, 2001. Like, uh, if you would see my matches with Loki, like the first one in TNA where I swept him while I was spinning up like a breakdance move. That was like, yep. you know, stuff like that. I mean, I would, like, throw that in there, like, from Capoeira and stuff like that. And when John Morrison came out, I, I you know, I remember somebody was telling me, he wasn't tough enough, right? And uh, yep. I think he did a shooting star in Tough Enough. Or something yeah, like that. And I think shooting star press. Yeah, I wonder where he got that from. But <laughs> yeah, Hey, you, but that's what happens. You see these guys, and then, you know, you see something like that, and then, you know, you and I talk. Let, let me tell you, from the last time you were on here, my my mind is still blown about the the Canadian Destroyer. You know, so seeing oh, yeah. a lot of these moves start one, you know, you start questioning like, huh, where'd they borrow that from? You know, or well, where'd I, they I, get this? I got I got proof that he actually did take it from me, just because uh, that time I was there for W with a dark match with CM Punk. Um, well, anyway, when he hit the, when he hit the shooting star and, and stuff, enough, I heard Al Snow say, "I haven't seen that before." Like uh, somebody told me that, and I was like, "What?" You know, because obviously I was already doing it. But when I went to W for the dark match with CM Punk. Um, I was, you know, I was saying hi to everybody, and I, and I knew Joey Matthews, and he was tag teaming with Nitro at the time, and yep. uh, Nitro, he kept like kind of dodging me every time I was walking back and forth, like through the back, and I remember I was telling Joey, you know, what's up with your boy? I haven't, you know, he hasn't came up to me or whatever. I'm trying to say what's up to him, and I could tell that he's, you know, you could tell when someone's, you know, is like dodging you, but they're yep. not trying when to get they're creeping, look, when they're like, creeping. Yeah, yeah. So I remember I said, you know, what's up? And he goes, oh, man, because he's a big mark of you, bro. He said he watches all your stuff and he steals all your shit. He goes, that's why. So Night, oh. uh, Joey Matthews brings up brings Nitro to me while I was sitting down. He goes, this is him. This here, here he goes. He's the biggest mark of you, bro. And then he said, what's up to me? Hey, what's up? You know, I watch your stuff and stuff. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's, I knew it was something. Well, I got I to gotta tell you, how does it, you know, when when you see stuff like that and you see, Almost, it's. It, I, I mean, I know there's a nod of approval when when a guy can replicate your move, but in a way, it's definitely. I know it has to be disheartening that a, that a guy is using yeah. a move you've been known for to get over. So, yeah. so I'm sure it gets under your skin a little bit. Yeah, like uh, um, see, like with the shoot, any shooting star, I take that one to the heart, and the infrared, I take that one to the heart. Just the infrared is the corkscrew moonsault thing. It's just because yep. I know for a fact that you know. I made those up. Like when when I did it, it was I have like old school tapes since like ninety eight, ninety seven, where I was just running and doing it off the floor as like a kind of mistake kind of move. But when you know when you know in your heart that you made it up and and someone's doing it or whatever, you know it's gonna hurt you a little bit. But you know in this kind of business, everybody takes everything, so you can't get that pissed off because how many how many moves of uh, the Luchadors and Mysterio did everybody else rip off? You know, including me and stuff like that, just because we have to use it. You know. But just, like, moves that you know, you know, like, that you made up and stuff like that, you're like, ah. But, you know, what can you do, though? Well, you, you, know, you don't know either funny. that could have made it up also, I guess. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because I remember that used to be a big gripe with Nova from ECW, you know, that he used to he used to borrow a lot of shit. And, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, he, he, he would tell used you, to though. watch a lot of... <laughs> huh? Nova's the type of guy that he would tell you. He he took my cousin Spanish Fly with uh, Frank Nuzarian. <laughs> And he would tell them, you know, hey, I've been doing your move and stuff like that. <laughs> like that. 
That's like some thug that stuff. <laughs> That, that, that is, it, it, you know, it's crazy, though, because it's like, it's almost like you take a guy, uh, you know, you take a guy like The Rock, who, you know, the, the rock bottom was his move. Now, everybody does some sort of an inverted, you know, crazy spin on The Rock bottom, even though it's still the same thing. And, you know, even, if they, even though they try to call it a, 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 an Uranagi judo throw, everybody knows it's The Rock bottom. So, you know, you kind of look at it and you're like, damn, you know, it's like when you see a move of your own and all of a sudden they call it some bullshit. They call it some other shit. You're like, you're like, ah, oh, come on, man, really? Just, just say it's my shit. Yeah, especially like the rock bottom or the flatliner. I mean, is that the move they give all the new guys that come out? Yep. Everybody Every that comes out is a version of the rock bottom or the version of the flatliner. Like, oh my god, you guys well, you don't know, have that else in your move list? Yeah, that's what. That's the funny thing. It almost seems like it's become very safe, which is um, another thing I wanted to ask you before I actually have someone who's dying to talk to you. But um, <laughs> one thing I wanted to ask you with with moves like that, especially the you, you know, especially moves that are used as finishing moves. When you guys sign up for organizations and you come in with a certain move set, do they tell you guys to alter or not use certain moves? Or maybe they'll tell you, hey, we don't use that particular move here due to injury. Do, they, do you get all, almost a, a list of, of stuff you can or can't do, or do you just you guys go out there and just free-for-all? Um, I, I got uh, my whole move list erased when I was in WWE, and uh, they wanted me to do all their stuff. Like Steamboat wanted me to do all his stuff, like the, the cross bodies and the flying forearms, just for that one match. And, you know, that's not me. I don't do stuff like nope. that. But, you know, obviously you got to do it. And TNA, especially when I first got there, it was like an independent show where you could just do whatever you want. I'm not saying they don't look at yourself, but, like, I guess they they put more trust in you and that, you know, they know my moves and stuff like that, and they're going to gonna let me do it. And uh, TNA now, since we have more, I guess, official agents and stuff like that, like where every agent has to look over the match, uh, sometimes they'll take some moves out or they say you can't use that move or whatever, but WWE, I remember I couldn't use anything at all. Like, every time I, I named something, they were like, nope, you can't do that. And then, like, those reasons because other people do it or different versions of it in WWE. And my brain, like, that's bullshit, though, you know? Like, it's different. Absolutely. And it, I'm you know, especially if you're doing a dark match. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's another thing, too. Like, and I'm and I'm there because of these moves, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> It's not like I, I got there because of my mind skills. I'm there because of these moves. I, so I don't, I don't know. Why wouldn't I hit the shit I'm known for? <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's the thing that that bugs me out. It's like, it's like you know, you you go in there and and you say to yourself, you're like, look, man, I'm not I'm not selling you on my mic work. I'm selling you on my move set, and you guys are are stripping that away from me. It's like here you're you're gonna do a whole match a whole match with punches and kicks only. You know? Yeah, and then like. I see me, I know obviously I have to sell more, but just the moves that were giving me were just stuff that I look weird doing, you know, top rope, uh, double axe handles, and I I swear to my kids that they told me to do that. Steamboat told me to jump off the top rope with a double axe handle, and I was supposed to get... What the fuck is this, 1987? And I was supposed to get punched in my gut and do the front flip, you know, the the, the old school front yeah. flip bump? Yep. That, that, was, that was my, that was supposed to be me. How we talking about that look? That it would it would look ridiculous just because it's not something that fits your character. It's like you know you you, you didn't see Eddie Guerrero doing a fucking axe handle off the top rope. You don't see Ray doing that. You don't see any other uh, lightweight cruiserweight or X division superstar doing anything like that unless that's part of their 
already existing moveset. Like if like if Doug Williams delivered a double axe handle off the top rope, it would look more believable because it kind of fits in with his style versus yeah. a guy like you. Yeah. Oh man, it's a, it's a, it's some crazy shit. Um, anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in a caller that wants to talk to you. Let me let me bring her on. Yo. Yep. Rich. What's up, Miss? What's going on? Hi. How are you? <laughs> Hi, Red. I'm good. Who is this? <laughs> this is Miss, or well, I'm not going to use my given name because the internet is an evil place. <laughs> but <laughs> that's as far as I can explain. <laughs> Sorry, I sound terrible, but I'm sick. <laughs> but I said I would call, so. <laughs> Go ahead, Miss. What do you got? I only had one question, so, and I labored really hard over this because I have your interview, so I didn't even know what to ask. But I did want to tell you that you're really, really awesome, and don't don't ever let anyone tell you different. And I just wanted to ask, how come you don't use your infrared anymore, or at least I don't see you use it as much anymore? That's a good question because uh, the reason. All right, uh, in Japan, uh, this guy named Kenta Kobashi. He, his One of his finishers is the Larry, the clothesline, right? And uh, he has another finisher called the Burning Hammer. And this finisher, he brings out once in a while when he has to use it. And it's like a big move and no one kicks out of it. So I'm trying to make the infrared that special. Because like, when Kobashi finally brings out the Burning Hammer, it's like everybody goes crazy because they know it's over for the person. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so like when I do hit that move, it's for a special occasion. Like... It's either I know I'm going to win or, you know, or if I'm, I'm about to win. Like if my yeah, because I think I've win. only seen it on a title. The last time I saw it was a title match. That was yeah, the last I, time I saw it. When I hit that move, I'm in business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that move like, is so cool and no one else can do it. So good that you save it so no one can steal it. But that was my question. <laughs> and now everyone's heard my voice, so. <laughs> yeah, really she's getting a lot of shit. She's been getting a lot of shit because she don't call in, and she's a she's a big fan of yours, like my nephew. So they they're like, ah, oh, you know, Miss better call in when Red comes back. So they, there you have it, man. I did it. Okay. Now I'm gonna go back good, to good my shit. laptop and live. <laughs> All right, Miss. Somebody thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Somebody no said, uh, someone huh? said, uh, thank you. Somebody huh? said thank you. I didn't hear you. Somebody, what? somebody just told me they said thank you for calling in. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who that is. <laughs> Take care, uh, guys. All right, thanks for calling. Later, Mist. Bye. Bye. Yeah, you know, she 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 was um she had asked. She was like she didn't know what what to ask, and um she I, I kind of knew, and it, it was funny that you were you know you mentioned uh. Kobayashi and, and keeping a burning hammer on the wrap. Um, it, it's funny that it's come to that. Nobody, there's very few guys that do that. So you know, it's very cool. You keep that that old school vibe and, and keeping that one special move under wraps. Yeah, yeah, I, I love I love that about uh, Japan and stuff like that. Like you know how Misawa, you know that you have you you've seen the Japan stuff, right? Absolutely, I watch you know, Poro stuff when I can. Yeah. You ever seen uh, Misawa's uh, Tiger Driver named the one? I think it's called. Yep. It's like a that's a that's a disgusting move, and it was actually <laughs> in, a, in a YouTube vid. 
that somebody did of like the top fifty wrestling finishing moves. And when I saw it, I'm like, I'm like, motherfucker shouldn't live after yeah, that yeah. happened. Yeah, he does that when he has to. You know what I mean? So I love that. And you know, on top of the infrared is such a dangerous move for me or the other guy. You know, because I don't know where I'm gonna land, and it's like. So, like, when I do that move, I don't even know what's going on. Like, I can't see where I'm landing. It's just, you know, it's it's a crazy move. So, I only hit it when I when I can. That's about it. Hey, no, no harm in that. Um, let let let's talk about your 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 newest addition to your family. I'm sure I'm sure your 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 kids and and and, and your wife are overjoyed that they have a new brother-in-law and uncle. <laughs> <laughs> um. First off, I want to ask, um, where, how how did they approach you for that? How did they, did they just say, "Yo, we we're gonna have this dude come in and he's gonna be your brother"? And and you know, the the fact that you guys look similar helps. <laughs> it definitely helps. But yeah, you know, I, how, I, how how was the setup for that? I legitly think that he he is part of my family somehow because we just found out that. We don't really know our fathers like that. <laughs> Ooh, I, I've been in that situation, so so yeah. You look at a dude and you're like, "Fuck, you 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 could be one of us." He he looks just like how uh, my real my real dad looked, and uh, I asked him. I said, "Um, you know, I, you know, I told him the same thing. He looked just like my dad, or whatever." He goes, "It's funny because I don't really know my dad." And I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> that would be some funny shit." Get that DNA <laughs> test. Get that DNA test working. <laughs> Let's go to Maury. <laughs> you are not the father. <laughs> Ooh. That, that that's crazy, man. How did um how did like like I said, how did how would how did they bring that to you? Was that something where they called you up and they're like, Look man, you know, you're gonna come back on but this um, is how we can do it? I don't know if I could talk about it as much, but uh Okay. <laughs> it's still like special or whatever, but um it it was just something that was there and I was like, you know, of course I'm gonna run with it because it's still something it's like me doing something anyway. I mean, like, I'm always complaining that there's nothing for me, so here you go. And, uh, okay, right. It's just another thing that's happened that is weird again because it's like, I, you know, we start to do it. The first thing we did with the thing with Jeff Jarrett, which was, uh, was awesome. You know, I got a huge ovation from the crowd and stuff like that. Yep. And, you know, and everybody in the back loved it. And, you know, it was me showing more character. I was feeling more comfortable. Now I got somebody. Tommy's cool, too, man. He's a cool ass guy. And he's, like, legit younger than me, too, so it's even crazier. <laughs> so, and uh, it's, like, we were both hyper, you know, like, to be in a tag team. or And when somebody is there next to me while I'm doing stuff like that and I know him and he's cool, it makes me act more real, you know? Like, I'm not afraid as much to, to just be myself. Right. Yeah, you you showed a lot of range, man. I was I was impressed that they let you... Because you, you, you know how it goes. They're like, well, you know, we want you to go out there, and you know, we want we want you to kind of let this dude do his do his do his dirty work. And you went in there, and you you know, you you, you busted his Jarrett's guitar. You got in his face a little bit. You got hype. Crowd definitely yeah. was popping for that, man. <laughs> I was sitting there right there, man. I was like, yeah. <laughs> hey, but I was, I was happy, happy, man. But the the funny thing is that the next time uh, we showed up, it was completely different. And I know. Yeah, I was a little tight, son. I'm, I'm gonna be real with you. No, every, I, I everybody, watched, though, it's not, it's not you. And then it's like, what can I tell other people? You know what I mean? Like, I can't, I can't hide that. It's, it's, nope. it's something that's real. Everybody t- tells me, like, 
what the hell just happened? And it makes sense because I understand what they're talking about, and it's weird. So I don't know what to tell everybody. So, yeah, continuity you know, goes out the window. Yeah, like, he, he, I just came out with him one week ago, and then the next week it's like, remember that one time where Undertaker and Kane, for some reason, weren't brothers? <laughs> remember they yep. had to bring it back for a while? Yep. It's and then they, didn't, they didn't even acknowledge it. They erased it. It's like, yeah. um, my, the best one I always say is Carlito stab, having John Cena stabbed in the nightclub. And then, like, six months later, they were in a tag team match when Carlito was a face. And I said to myself, hold on. If somebody would have tried to, 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 to shank me at the club, I'm not fucking getting in a tag match with you. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no legit way. I, I mean, I can understand, you know, if they would have elaborated, like, hey, it wasn't really him. And, you know, you could kind of throw the blame on another heel if you wanted to bring somebody in. But yeah. they just completely summarily dismissed it. They're like, yeah, yeah, you know, no, him getting stabbed, nah, that didn't happen. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, like, uh, I, I, obviously he's still going on now, so I'm not, I'm not shitting on the angle or whatever, but um, it's just that, right now for me, it just feels weird because I, I don't know what to tell these people. You know what I mean, like, my yeah, brother's doing, he's, he's doing his own thing. He's just, he's there to make an impact. That's cool. Thing. <laughs> that's cool, but you know what it is, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, and you don't have to even elaborate on this, but from a fan's perspective, it's like if the dude is coming out with a red suit and his little his little suit on, his little red tie, then you should be out there in the suit and the red tie with him because last time I checked, you you technically brought, you brought your little brother in, quote, unquote. So if that's the case, you should be having some clout with it. Again, this is me doing armchair booking, which is, you know, which is something that a lot of people get shit for, but it's true. It's like if the guy comes out with a suit and he's like, oh, they're coming for you or whatever, then you should have been standing there right next to him, pimped out in the suit as well, and then that that would have closed it out. Yeah, and it, I I think it would have been cooler, man. I would have loved to get in one of those suits. <laughs> yeah, hey, man, that, that, that would have been the way to do it, you know, especially because, you know, it, it almost they, – they, they were borrowing a little bit from the uh, – from the the old Sean O'Hare angle where they were trying to make Sean O'Hare be like the devil, you know they had they had um they had your little bro out there almost like that like like in a like in a devilish persona a little bit of angel heart going on. Yeah. But hey man, yeah. it, the way I see it is you know your your phone could ring at any time so I'm not I'm not I'm gonna hold out hope that you get included in this shit because you know what it it it, it would be great to to have you involved you know. Yeah yeah. And I'm not, I'm not even saying that just because I'm a fan and because you're on, but just because it's common fucking sense, you know? Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's that's the part where I get uh, I get shit for because, like, everybody's like, you know, what happened and why you let your brother this? And, you know, I thought you I, I thought you brought him out last week and why you're not there with him? It's just quite like, if that's, you know, I always have to Put you in an awkward place. Yeah. Well, it was funny. One of my... Um, in terms of in terms of awkward and, and it segues into a question, uh, one one of the guys that that writes for the site, Josh, he had told me to ask you, um, how is it doing matches with a guy who you don't like, and do you always worry about like you know somebody trying to get real during that match? I know that the last time you were on, you had talked about the one dude that had you know fucked up a move or two on purpose, but I'm talking about you know when 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 you're really in the ring and they're like yo you got to get in the ring with this cat and you don't like him. How does that work? Uh, you, <laughs> you have to. That's another thing we also teach uh, in our school. 
like um, how to protect yourself, stuff like that, because it's going to happen. There's always somebody out there to try to play you or who's play hating on you, probably wants to hurt you in there, uh, take you out sooner so they can get your spotlight. You know, stuff like this really exists, and that happened to me a lot, especially how small I was back in the day. Like, uh, and I lived through it, you know, but uh, a couple of people caught me, and, you know, you just have to do the match and take your spots, man. Like, it, if you, especially if you know the guy and what he does and stuff like that, it, it kind of makes it a little better for you, just so you know which parts to, to block or dodge. <laughs> but um, there's not that much you can do, man. Like, I remember was uh, one point where one of my cousins, we, we kept, it was like a, a sixth man we had to do. And uh, one of my cousins didn't like the other person that kept saying, like, oh, he thinks he's going to stiff us or be stupid or drop us on our heads on purpose. So, obviously, you know, we're there in family, the six man. So we're there watching and stuff like that. And every time this dude comes in, uh, something weird happens, like, you know, mess the spot or he tries to, like, OD and do something, like, on the outside. So uh, he had, some, I think, my, my cousin, uh, Jose, up in, like, a brain buster kind of thing, and he kind of, like, just let him fall. He didn't even, like, fall with him. He kind of just... Picked up on the suplex and just got out the way. Oh, you know like I mean? a dead weight we, drop. Yeah, and once we seen that, me and Joel already knew, like, that it was on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, you don't do shit like that. So as soon as that happened, me and Joel just came in, obviously, without, you know, the, the, the little counts or whatever, and we just beat the shit out of that guy. Like, we, we took him outside, and, you know, we were stiffing him up, and I remember Joel was, like, whispering to him, if you want to make this shit real, we'll make it real. So, you know, calm down, calm down. He was holding him, like, you know, whatever. And the guy was playing off like he didn't know what Joel was talking about. He said, what do you know? What are you talking about? I'm cool, I'm cool, whatever. So we finished the match, and when we went to the back, a whole big thing happened. And, it, you know, obviously he's going to deny it, but we knew what he was there to do. He's, you know, he's being a dickhead, you know. Why would you hold? You know how to yeah. wrestle. That's why, you know, you're there yeah. already. You know how to do a suplex. Come on, man. Yeah, how are you going to risk paralyzing a guy. It's like nobody sits there and watches some of these videos where, where dudes are just doing basic shit and they end up in a wheelchair, you know, especially and or, or even guys that have been established. One of one of my favorite guys uh growing up was Hayabusa. And uh yeah, yeah. you know, I saw I saw the video where he was gonna do his move and he slipped off the top rope, man, and it was a wrap for him. And you know, it's yeah, like yeah. this is a guy that did this shit on the regular. So it really it really bugs me out that they're 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 people, you know, other wrestlers that are willing to to jeopardize a, a person's well-being and, and the ability to provide for their family just just for a, for a spot, you know? Why don't you just earn your place? Yeah. I, I don't know how much it happened in, like, WWE or, like, TNA or whatever because it never happened to me there. But I know in the indie scene, it happens a lot. Like, this is, especially if you hot, like, you know, if you hot at, at the moment, and you know, you're wrestling some, some like, uh, a local indie guy or whatever, you know, you got to just watch it, man. Even, and it, it doesn't even have to be with someone who doesn't like you or nothing like that. It can just happen just from, like I said last time, how I don't say no when people ask me to take this and take that. Like, Kit Cash is a prime example, you know. I love Kit Cash or whatever, and it's like he would tell me to do these crazy spots for him, and I wouldn't tell him no at the, at the moment because, you know, I want to have a good match or whatever. And when I'm saying good match, I'm putting my hands in quotations because, you know... <laughs> Like, you know, back in the TNA, when we do high-risk stuff, it's like, oh, it's a good match just because we would do crazy shit. But, uh, um, like, I would take these press slams from the top rope and, like, uh, reverse. Uh, I think I took a German one time and completely backflipped 
and like landed on my back. You know what I mean? And any one of those could have took me out. And it's like just me, just you know, just going on with the spot. So wrestling in general, man. Once you get into those those ropes, you just have to take care of yourself. You gotta do the best at it. And me and my cousins know a couple of ways to take care of it. Someone's trying to play you. You know a couple of ways to like block yourself from not landing on your head. So you know, it, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, it's a. It, it's you know, watching watching some of that is is ridiculous, and and the way it it gets it gets out of hand. You know, especially what you were saying with the indie scene. I know that for for in in WWE, a lot of times, a lot of people said that um you know that hardcore Holly was good for that shit. I think I only saw one match where he legit beat a dude's ass. Was that? And uh, uh, oh no no that, no that was uh, Perry Saturn who beat up Mike Bell. That was that. Yeah, but I, I saw I saw that on, on YouTube when Perry Saturn beat that guy's ass. Perry Saturn is a is is an interesting human being. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, you um, gotta watch. Yeah, what was that? No, I'm saying you gotta watch. Also, like hardcore, his little thing is that when you're in there with him, if you if you've been there less years than him, he's gonna make you, you know, wish you wasn't a wrestler. He's gonna just beat the shit out of you just because he knows he can. If you're if you're like a year under oh. him, he'll beat the shit out of you. So. <laughs> That's that that that's a bad way to look at it though, especially I mean, you know you know I I you know Hardcore Holly was all right. He never caught on. It's like I knew I I follow that guy's career when he was Spark Plug Holly, <laughs> you yeah. know when he when he came out with his stupid Ricky Bobby singlet, and um, you know to, to to see him just beating dudes up. It's like especially on, on a basis of tenure, I feel is just real disingenuous, you know. Yeah, I I don't know I. Like I, for, it's weird because I love when Finley does it. When Finley beats up people, I love watching him just beat the shit out of people. I I don't know <laughs> what it is, but um, Finley does it like in an awesome way, I guess. But Finley well, the same Finley way. Well, Finley swap with you, you know. Yeah. Regal is too. I've seen Regal be yeah, a Regal one dude. But those are guys that they're teaching you. You know, you're taking that beating, but it's almost like you know, you're, you're, it, it, it's a beating that comes with a lesson. Like it's not a beating that's. Uh, um, that has malicious intent. Like whenever I see, yeah, yeah. I've seen hardcore Holly do it. It's always like, like you were saying, you know, to, to you know, because of tenure. Like I'm gonna whoop your ass because of tenure. Versus a guy like William Regal that works stiff, or a guy like, um, like Finley. It's like, yo, this is part of the process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is which is all good, but um, it, you know, it, the, the the go off topic a little bit. I know, you know, I know you've been following. Brock Lesnar becoming a coach for the Ultimate Fighter. I know you, you're you a little hyped for that. Hell yeah. <laughs> I was I, a little um, nervous, man, that the whole shit that went down with him and uh, Undertaker. I didn't I didn't get none of that, you know. And they were saying, oh, he wants to do WrestleMania, that he's quitting soon. And I was like, ah, man, I hope not. Because, you know, that's Brock's problem where, like, he'll jump from one thing to the other if he's not, like, satisfied or whatever. Yep, he gets, he gets bored rather quickly, and I knew... You know, when I saw his little shit with The Undertaker, I said to myself, you know, either either Vince McMahon or Dana White are going to make a lot of money, or it was just the way that the situation played out that people blew it out of proportion, you know? No, yeah, yeah. It's true. Cause it, I don't, you know, I, I knew that Dana White wasn't going to let him go to Mania because that would really, in, in some ways, it would kind of blemish the UFC that they took this guy and they've erased 
his his wrestling back, you know, his pro wrestling background and made him a legit dude for him to go back for a payday, you know? Yeah, it'll, yeah, it'll hurt Dana and it'll hurt Brock's image when he comes back to UFC. That's right, because people will clown him, especially. They'll be like, look, man, you fucking, you know, you took your ball and went home. Yeah. I was hoping it wasn't that. Like, you know, a lot of people wanted him to see him back in the ring, and, uh, you know, he he's awesome or whatever, like, when he was in the ring, but it's just, he's an MMA guy, man. Like, I, I can't see him going back to uh, WWE. Especially WWE right now is PG. They can't get Brock right now, man. Brock, I don't think Brock could be PG. <laughs> Nah, dude. I think I think that the that the PG atmosphere, it, it, and you know, which led me to what I wanted to ask you. Um, you know, you know that a lot of people are saying that Batista's been flirting with getting into MMA with Strikeforce. Yeah, he's um, you know, right now he's uh, he's filming a movie with uh, with RZA and uh, Russell Crowe. It's going to be um, a kung fu flick, and he's involved in it somehow. But he's supposedly still training with Caesar Gracie, and he's supposed to be fighting in Strikeforce. Um, any, what what do you think of of a guy like that at that stage in the game getting involved, especially you know you being a, a pro wrestler? Um, well, first of all, have you been seeing these movies coming out lately with uh, like the Batista movies or like the UFC guys doing these movies like uh, yeah, the tap out films? <laughs> um, they're all the same movie, and who is yep. this old ass Van Damme who keeps starring in most like in half of them? Yep, they got they got that guy. And it's always, you know, the one guy that's involved in a tournament that has to fight all out of, you know, against his will. And then all of a sudden, boring. you know, ugh, the, the, the fight men are whack, too. They feel like, like 100 punches and they don't even bleed. Well, you know what it is? The choreography in those movies is suspect. And I think they're just trying to do it to give these guys another, um, another avenue. With it. And it's funny you say that because I had, um, you know, Michael Jai White was on two weeks ago, actually three weeks ago. Yeah, he was on, and we were talking about because he was directing uh, Never Back Down 2. And, um, you know, Todd Duffy, who who fought Overeem, is going to be in it, and a couple of other fighters are going to be in it as well. So, you know, we were talking about the fact that he was saying, you know, that doing the choreography for that with real fighters is, you know, it's a better way to do it. I think that what you were saying with the tap-out flicks is legit, that these guys, they're in there, and it's like, dude, you guys fight. You mean to tell me that you guys can't do a fake fight and make it look believable? Yeah, like every like uh, I see these movies like on Netflix or like I'll, I'll rent them just to see what's going on. But it's the same movie and it's the same like it's like they re- and then they, why they put these cheap ass porno scenes in them? Like, come on, man! Like <laughs> seriously, it's right. I think they're just they're they're just finding ways to make money. I, I actually sat through. Uh, the movie called The Wrong Side of Town, which you may have seen. Batista was in it with Ja Rule and Rob yeah, Van Dam. Ja Rule was in it for two seconds. Dude, I, I, I wanted to put a blowtorch to my eyes after I watched it just because, you know, I understand that, you know, they're reading a script and they're doing it, but wrestling is is, is a part acting. And it's like, it's like, fuck, man, you guys can't get it together. I mean, to, to say that Rob Van Dam did better in the Bla- in Black Mass 2 is, is putting it mildly, you know? Oh, man. <laughs> I, I have no comment on that. that oh, I, it's just the same movie, man. Like, it's the same. It's a different guy in the movie, but it's just all the same shit. Like, Batista was barely in it, and he was in the main cover. He wasn't even the star. I don't even think RVD's on the on the cover of the movie. 
No, he's he he's on one cover that I've seen, but Batista's on, on the main cover. And you know, of course, I read a lot of a lot of rags and a lot of different websites, and they were like, you know, that Rob Van Dam was tight, that Batista got put front and center on a cover, and blah blah blah. It, it's like I saw the movie, and I'm like, dude, you actually wanted to be on the cover of this shit? <laughs> you actually, you actually, they said to you, dude, you're gonna be on the cover of this movie. And you actually went out of your way to say, yeah, I want to be on the cover. Are you kidding? I I, I give. Already the credit that uh, he did do a couple of things in the movie. He did like you know uh, flips or whatever, and I would be pissed off if I, if, I, if Batista was on the cover and he was in it for like, a couple of minutes. You know, I understand that part, but I don't know. These movies are weird, man. And you think he's got? To... Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I'm I was gonna just switch it back to Michael J. White and just say I'm happy they gave him the Mortal Kombat series that he used to do. Uh, well, you know what? You know what's funny about that? I gotta tell you, I had to actually start some static about that because, like, six or seven different sites were like, "Oh, well, you know, the director said, and you heard it here first. And I'm like, "No, the fuck, you didn't." He announced it live. He announced it live on our show. Oh, he did. He actually, yeah, he he was on he was on it. He was like, "Yeah, man, we're gonna start doing more of them, and they're gonna be a web series." And he's like, "You know, I'm gonna go back and play jacks." And we're trying to expand on it, so hopefully we'll get some money and do a new one. Yeah, um, yeah. you know. And he 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 was real with it. He announced it on the spot. And he's like, yeah, you know, there's an announcement, and and he was real with it. And you know, a, a whole bunch of other sites were like, oh, you know, we spoke to the director. It's like, dude, I spoke to the actor. <laughs> like, what the, the fuck was that? He was like, the, like the, dude, the I was guy to, to make the project, right? Because um, I remember when I saw on YouTube a while ago, it was a project from him, and they were telling me that was the next Mortal Kombat movie. But it was just like, you know, a pilot movie kind of thing where, like, Michael J. White, Michael J. White wanted, wanted it to get turned into a movie, but they turned it into a web series, a web series instead, right? Yeah, they, um, you know, they shot, they shot it for, with the intent on getting funding. And, um, you know, a lot of people were there, and um, they were, he was saying that they had wanted to elaborate on, you know, expanding the universe. And it turns out, you know, people are all talk, and nobody was writing out any checks. So they decided and said to go with the with the web series, which is fine because people will watch it anyway. And um, you know, it's going to be a web series. Each episode is going to be about a different character. So you know, you'll see an episode about Jax, then you'll see one about Reptile. So I definitely think it'll it'll do well. And if they and if everybody likes it and it takes off, you might see a flick out of it too. Yeah, I hope so, man. It looked cool with that little trailer he put out. Yeah, he was he was um he he's really hyped for the project and you know, like I said with the with the Never Back Down flick, he's actually directing it. And and he's starring in it as well. He's playing and you're gonna laugh, he's playing the mentor role in <laughs> in uh in Never Back Down too. He's playing, you know, the 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 the, the sensei role. So, you know, it, it it should be interesting if he's playing the sensei. Is uh is R V D back in it? No, uh, RVD's not in that one. Uh, what he, what's his name is in it? Todd du- Todd Duffy's in it. Oh, t- oh, okay. So he put like so, all the he's like his MMA guys. Right? Yeah, he got a you know a couple a couple MMA guys are in there. I mean, in um in that last flick that that Michael Jai White did, Blood and Bone, uh, Kimbo Slice was in that one. Yeah, what was that movie called? Blood and Bone. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was awesome too. I watched that movie. Yeah, I just love uh, his fight scenes, man. Like the story, you know, whatever. But his fight scenes are, are awesome. Yeah, the choreography is tight for that, man. I was, you know, it, it's 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 funny because you know to go back to what you were saying with the 
you know, with a, with a little Halloween video you shot, you can you guys can actually you guys can actually with with what you're doing in the school, you could probably with with all the stunt with all the stuff you're teaching people to take bumps, man. You can teach them to to do stunts too. <laughs> hey, you well, should keep that under your hat, man. For real. <laughs> Yeah, Chuck, thanks for that. Thanks for that one. <laughs> hey, hey, nothing wrong with that. Hey, we in this to make money. Yeah, man, I can't wait for you to come down. Uh, yeah, I, um, yeah, we really, we, we got to really collab on a date because I want to, you know, I want to take some video and, you know, get some stuff for the site, put it on the site. Like I said, even even if I end up rolling out of there in a fucking wheelchair, I want to take a couple <laughs> of bumps at least. That, it definitely, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm uh. You know, I I have I don't I don't have a thin frame, so I could probably take a couple of bumps and and it, it'll be a couple of hours before it hurts. <laughs> Not like uh, the first few minutes of like of you bumping, you're gonna be too hyped to feel it like right away. But I guarantee you, once you leave that ring, or like you wake up, you're gonna be feeling it even more. It's gonna be all over the body. Hey, I wanted to ask you when you when now that you now that you're out there teaching, has it become has being a teacher now improved? Uh, your performance as a wrestler? Um, what, like, what you mean? Like, as in... Like, like you know, I'm now not... that you're passing you're passing your craft on to somebody else, does it make you, you know, like, re, like, like evaluate your own game? Like, oh, man, I just taught this dude to take a bump. Maybe, maybe, maybe I could take this bump a little bit differently in terms of how you, you know, in, in terms of just translating what you teach to yourself. Because that happens yeah, you know, yeah. when, when you're teaching people different things. Yeah, I can I can see what you're talking about. Like, I guess it does like it does happen like that, but I don't realize it because it's funny because when I'm at practice or I'm I'm there in the school with them, I I work harder for some reason, and I do more things. Like even when it's like open ring, open gym, I it's like I kind of wrestle harder and and better than I do when I'm on uh, like uh, TNA show or something like that. I guess it's just different atmosphere or whatever and I'm it's not it's not like I'm trying to show off but it's just I, I don't know I feel cool around them you know what I mean because it's like you know I'm a teacher it, I didn't I guess that's how Mikey felt because Mikey when he was training us uh, like once we finish uh, training with him he'll do something like where we bug out and start like you know uh, making believe we're different people like he'll he'll be macho man and then we'll, we'll I'll put like Dick the Snake something like that and he would he would like wrestle with us and you know he would do really cool you know cool moves that we never see him do. We will ask Mikey, how come you don't do that when you're in East W? Well, how come you don't do this move? And, you know, he, he doesn't know. <laughs> and it's not, like, in his character, but, like, other people's moves and stuff like that, like Macho Man stuff, like, Mikey was a big Macho Man mark. He does all his moves, like, perfect, perfect. It's weird. You, you think Macho Man is going to get into the Hall of Fame this year? If I think he's going? Yeah, what do you think? Uh, he should. I, I think so. If he did that long ass promo for that video game. <laughs> yeah, I, d- dude. Let me tell you. I played. I haven't played a wrestling game like hardcore in a minute. Like I still, I still go back to the to the Super Nintendo to play. You know, WrestleMania 2000 and WCW NWO. Um, you know, I played the TNA game for a while and. You know, it had the potential to be better, and then I started playing the WWE games, and they just got it got to the point where they were pretty much the same game every year. It started becoming like Madden. So I haven't I haven't played a hardcore wrestling game in, in ages, and you know it's funny because you would you would think that 
as as much as the games have, have you know, the technology has improved, the gameplay would be a little bit more fluid. Yeah. So, you know, I'm glad to see Macho Man in this game, even though it's, you know, an arcade type of a game. You know, it's not. It's nice to actually see him in a game and actually promoting something. You know. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to see him back in wrestling, whatever he's doing. But uh, he still is good, though. Even you know, I want to see how he would look if he would just uh, dye his beard black again. Like I think he'll look perfect, right? Like he'll look like he did back in the day. You know, it's it's funny because I um, you know, when I when he was in Spider Man, I was like, holy shit, he's old as shit, but he's in he's in kick ass shape. You know, and then he just he just disappeared. He just faded to black, and I was like, "Wow!" You know, that's not. It's it, you know, a lot of people were like, "Oh man, what happened to him?" And then you know, I heard that you know his dad had died, and he he still wasn't in the spotlight. The only one that you'd hear more about was the genius. So, you know, uh, to see yeah. him in the game just randomly pop up, I was like, "Oh shit!" You know. Yeah, that was cool. I hope he does go, man. It'll be good for him. He he kind of deserves it, like. I, even throw that that shit he's going through, I would I would do it if I was him. Yeah, I don't know, you know, I don't know what the big the big taboo secret is with uh, with him not going in. Like you know, there's the, there's tons of of web stories about all kinds of different shit that he did, and you know he got blacklisted. But it, it's like you know, if Hogan's in there and Flair's in there, you know, you need Macho Man in there. I remember, I think the the fondest memory of Macho Man was when they were doing the no holds barred flick, and he bought in Zeus. To feud with Hogan. <laughs> and, uh, that's me and uh, Jay Lethal's favorite. Um, like that little era, even the promos they would do were insane. <laughs> oh, dude, when in No Holds Barred, when when Hogan walked into to Zeus's gym, and he's just like screaming incoherently. I, I it, dude, it, it it it's one of those things I never forget. I am me and me and my. Fiance were laughing because we watched a couple of weeks ago. They were giving Suburban Commando on cable, and the Undertaker was one of the aliens. And dude, we were dying. Oh, oh yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, dude, I was, I was rolling at how, at how bad, yeah, at how yeah. bad it was. But the, the, like you said, that era had had some really great promos, like real emotional promos. I mean, there were some guys that you know you didn't know what the fuck they were talking about, like Dusty Rhodes promos back then. Yeah, but the thing about that is that they were still cool. Like, I I still loved, even though they made that DVD about the Warrior and they, like, kind of shit all over him, I still loved him, man. Like, even though I don't know what he was talking about, it was still cool to me. Like it, Yeah, because it, he was he was so, he was real intense with it, man. Like, when he delivered yeah, a homo, it, like, he was a like, psycho. He was some parts unknown. Like, this guy was freaking deranged. <laughs> yeah, we don't get that anymore, man. It was, it was funny because... Um, you know, a lot of rumors are going around that Papa Shango is going to be in the Royal Rumble, um, and uh, we, yeah, and I started uh, laughing because I'm like, wow, you guys are they're digging in the way back machine for that. Yeah, but I don't know if that's going to work anymore, man. The is different now. I don't know. Well, you know, if there's if there's one classic. If there's one classic wrestler from from the '80s generation that you feel that you can say helped influence your your career path, who would you who would you say it was? Well, like if I was to pick only one of them. Well, well, obviously you have more than one. So all right, give me give me at least three of them. <laughs> it, it would it would have to be just uh, I don't know. Like I, I was like, obviously I pick Hogan the most just because 
I know, like, I remember a lot of parts of uh, of Hogan's era where I would really feel it, like an ill, true fan. Like, I don't know if I said the story last time, but, like, uh, when I watched Rocky three, and I was watching it with my mom, and, you know, Rocky was fighting Hogan when I was happy when Hogan was beating the shit out of Rocky. And I was, I don't know how <laughs> old I was, but I remember when Rocky beat up Hogan and threw him out the ring, I ran out of my living room and I started crying like a little herb <laughs> in my bed. <laughs> and my mother got me. She said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And then, you know, I just didn't want to talk. So I remember she brought me back. She goes, look, they're friends. And it was the part where he shook his hand into the picture. And then I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So he had an impact like that on me. You know what I mean? Like I was happy to see him beat the shot of Rocky. And I, I loved Rocky back in the day. So, uh, you know, I would say Hogan was like, you know, and I would just, you know, oh, Hogan's going to be on or whatever, and we would count it down. And once Hogan got in, oh, the, obviously the Warrior too, just because what kid wouldn't like the Warrior? Like, he was, he had paint, uh, he had these tassels, he'd run around and just destroy people in two seconds, you know what I mean? But uh, as, you know, as WWE went on and got a little older, it was like uh, one to three kid, Razor Ramon, I loved, uh, Owen Hart, you know, Shawn Michaels, Brad, people like that, just more and more, like, maybe just love, love, uh, love wrestling more. You got a, you got a nice, uh, you got a nice group of, of role models there for that, man. I'm, I was, I was very impressed. You, 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 you covered a couple of eras. That's, uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would like, uh, I'll pick them out, man. Like, uh, I don't know, I guess, it's not like if I'm going for the best ones of, like, that era, but, it was, you know, they had it. You know, they were nasty. And if I want, if I wanted to, or if I was big enough or whatever, I wanted to. I, in practice, the, the kids see me how I really wrestle and stuff like that, like technical and like it's sort of like a kind of it's kind of weird looking at me wrestle like that, like kind of like a Bret Hart kind of thing. But it's, it, you know, I love that style of wrestling. I love power moves and like big guys slamming people around. Like when Brock came out, and Brock was legitimately using his size and strength to be a big, you know, like. WWE will always create these big guys, and they will try to make them like monsters and like keep them undefeated. And and they were like shitty. They were like the worst monsters ever. But when Brock came yeah. out, Brock, Brock was the legit monster. You know what I mean? Like this guy threw uh, uh, Zach Gowan on the stairs. <laughs> Dude, well, Zach Gowan going kid. down the stairs is. I I think I said this the last time, and and I'll probably go to hell. But I laughed my balls off. <laughs> when Zach Gowan got thrown down the stairs, it's it's terrible to say, but just watching a, a you know his, his his narrow ass get tossed down the stairs, I was like, wow. <laughs> oh man, I did I, I did like, feel, I did feel like a scumbag, but it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, the shit he did to Zach Gowan, man, like that that proves it right there. Like you want a monster, you got one. The way he hit him with that with that chair. And the way he F5'd his little leg against the turnbuckle, like, holy shit, bro. Take it easy on this guy. He did that He did that to the Hardys, too, when he first debuted, though. He gave the Hardys, the Hardys an ass-whooping. Yes, like Dudley, he beat all these guys up. He was giving big shows belly to belly like if he was, like, 110 pounds. Well, the, you know, the, they're, they're trying to do that now with Ezekiel. You know, he came and he served the big show. On SmackDown, and I was like, "Yeah, they're 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 getting ready to push this dude." <laughs> yeah, like you know, I'm saying like Brock was the one that uh, actually took that monster vibe and ran with it. 
Yeah, well, he brought it back because you know, like like you were saying, they killed that off. And I remember when they bring in all these all these herbs, like like and 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 they were and they were just like they were just funny guys. Like I remember they brought in Bastion Booger and they showed videos every week for this guy, and he started beating guys every week. Or when they brought in the goon, or when they brought in the Minotaur. Remember uh, nails? Yeah, nails. I remember nails only because of the, that big ass feud with the big boss man. And you know yeah. those guys, you know they bring them in, and that was when when you know they do these videos, and you know like when Razor Ramon would be walking on the beach throwing a toothpick in somebody's face, you know, like they started doing old videos like that, and I was like, ugh. Yeah, nah, that that was the best to me though. Those little hyper videos, like remember they had a crush, just uh, crushing yep, Kona crush. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Kona Kona crush, and then they um the uh, the best the the best hype video had to be for Glacier at the time. You remember? Because that dude's videos, they were like 20 minutes long and yeah. blood runs cold. And then fucking he comes <laughs> out, he's on a match for like two weeks with Ernest Miller. I was like, ugh. Yeah, I thought like they were going to unveil Sub-Zero or somebody. Like, <laughs> and he yeah, kind of came out looking like going. Sub-Zero. My, uh, uh, Slick said, uh, he actually said that so the best hype videos were the Mr. Perfect ones. Which I gotta admit, man, those were good. He had, uh, I forgot his hype videos. It, when he it threw was, the ball to himself down the field and he caught oh, it. Okay, okay, okay. No, no, perfect. I thought, I thought those were after he already. This is the time where uh, he he didn't get a song yet, right? He didn't have an entrance music song. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. He those said, were great, uh, man. He, get get athletes with him in the videos. He said he legitly got that shot in, in one try. That that dude that that was you know when he did some of those some of those videos I was like ah this shit's bullshit and then when I start when I found out about the, the the thing with the basketball shot I was I was legit impressed I actually uh, marked out hardcore for that yeah he was really nasty at like everything kind of it was like uh the perfect gimmick was perfect for him yeah, I don't know about yeah. throwing the, the football and catching it <laughs> no I don't, I don't know man. <laughs> Unless he had that the the vortex, remember that nerf ball? <laughs> oh yeah, the nerf the nerf vortex. You know, it, it's funny because every time me and you talk, we always end up dragging like retro shit out of the woodwork. It happened on yeah, Twitter that, too when we were talking about triple fat goose jackets. I'm sorry if I'm going off on my little uh, chicken head. Money. Hey, no, 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 it's all good, man. It, it, it you know, like, it, it it lets people hear another side, man. Not just you know, not just you know, I'm a wrestler and this is what I do, but you know, you're you're still a legit fan, man. No harm in that. Yeah, yeah. Well, but but before before I let you go, man, come on. What what games are you playing now? Because I know you were playing Black Ops last time we talked. Yeah, um, I haven't been playing that many games uh, recently, but um, I'm just still stuck on the the Black Ops. Um, what you call it? Like UFC. Uh, once in a while, I put back on Gears too. Um, but I just got okay. Red Dead. Redemption, I haven't touched it yet. I still haven't. I still oh, haven't you touched. gotta. And the people give me a lot of shit for not playing it, but I, but I definitely see why it got so many awards, man. That's a game that'll definitely keep you busy for a bit. Yeah, man. I, I know once I turn it on, I'm not gonna stop. So every time I turn it on, it has like a, a sick intro. Right when it gets to that first thing, I'm like, ah, I can't right now, man. It's just that, not right now. Like I, I'd rather play it when I have time. You know what I mean? I don't wanna. I hate. I hate playing a game and then going to another one and then coming back to it. Oh, there's so many games to play. I don't know. I can't keep track. 
Well, you know, it, it's funny that you've been playing the UFC game. I picked up the EA, um, the EA MMA game, and wow. um, it's not. What do you think about that game? It's not a bad game. You know, what was funny when when the when the models first came out, they looked like the rubber like the rubber toy wrestlers from the eighties, and I really yeah. didn't like it, especially when you're watching it. But I started playing it, and there, there's a there's a really cool science to it, especially because you um you can change the rules. Like, you don't have to fight on the unified MMA rules. You can actually fight on the pride fighting rules, and you can kick yeah, people yeah, in like the face. That. You can kick people in the face and do uh, foot, uh, foot stomps and shit. So it's a solid game, man. You, you know, if, if you get a chance, definitely pick it up. I think it's no, like 30 I, 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 I played it. Some, one of my cousins brought it over, and uh, it's just that it's not even like that I'm a UFC fan and like, Strike Force or whatever. Like, I like Strike Force stuff, too, but... I don't know, man. Come, like just playing UFC and then going to that. Like I understand it has more options and that's cool too. And I like a lot of modes it has, but the gameplay, man, I can't. Like when you when you can tackle me from halfway <laughs> from the arena and not, you know what I mean? Like I could just press a tackle button or whatever, and he'll tackle me regardless halfway. Like it's like it's like a glitch into it, and the fighting it looks weird. I don't know. I don't like it, man. It looks like RBI baseball. That's what I'm <laughs> nice, dude. I had to I had to change the control scheme because I didn't like the uh, the fight night yeah. controls that I had, so I put it on the on the UFC mode. And what I did was I signed up on EA's website and I actually started downloading fighters that people created. That's one thing I actually liked that you can go onto their website and download fighters. So I downloaded you know like Vanderlei cool. Silva and Rampage. So you know I added I added some other fighters in there. But, you know, I think that some of the modes that they showed had promise, and I'm hoping that they actually put them in the new UFC game. But um, the, the one, there's a new MMA game that they put out. This, uh, this independent company is supposed to be unsanctioned with no rules. And um, the video's on, on the site. You ought to check it out. They, um, they have them fighting underground, almost like Fight Club. And, I don't, you know, definitely, it's definitely going to raise an eyebrow or two for people that are legit fans just because it's non-sanctioned, you know, like, like you're kicking dudes in the face and, and you know, you're fighting in, like, a, a, in like a bar basement and shit with, glo- with MMA gloves on. Oh, cool. What's it, what's it called? It's called Supremacy MMA. Um, they, uh, they, I put a, a trailer a, and I wrote an article on the site. You ought to check it out. It's, uh, it's funny because it's being endorsed by, by Jens Pulver. Oh, yeah, yeah I like Jens. Yeah, he's he's endorsing the game, which is weird because the you know when I did the article, I put two trailers up. The trailer with him in it is like you know focusing on him as a fighter, and then the other trailer they put out was like the badass you know with the with the bad metal music behind it, and you know just dudes getting punched in the face and and, and chicks with, uh, with in bikinis walking around like oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. So it's like an NBA Jam. I'm not NBA Jam. It's like a remember when Def Jam Vendetta came out and it was like yep. uh, No Mercy. Yep, like that. It's like you know, there's a there, there's a couple there's a couple of things in the video that definitely will, uh, like I said, raise a few eyebrows. Like there's a dude he throws a kick and the guy uh, checks the kick and the guy's leg gets broken, like what happened oh. uh, to Corey Hill in the UFC. So I was like, oh shit. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That comes out this year. Um, I'm supposed to be out supposedly for the summer. Oh, cool. I'm I'm waiting for uh, like uh, P uh, Twisted Metal three. I don't know when is that coming out, but uh, I'm I'm a Twisted Metal fan, man. I'm waiting for that one to come out. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Sweet Tooth, the the clown in that. So I definitely, you know, I definitely want to play it. Um, well, last I, night not... they announced. 
Right? Sorry, my bad. It's not Twisted Metal 3. What am I talking about? It's the it's the next Twisted Metal, whatever. It's after Black, obviously. Right, the, the new one, yeah. He's um, They're working on it. I know that the dude that created it, um, he, he's on he's on Twitter a lot. He's usually updating what's going on with the game. So if anything, pop into my uh, my Twitter list, and the dude should be in there. Okay, cool, cool. Last last but not least, you got um any shout outs, anything you want to promote before I let you roll? Um No nah, man, I I'm gonna shout out my cousin who's next to me. Uh he's gonna come out soon and uh get in there with my other cousin, like Joel's smaller cousin, his name is Will Maximo. Alright. He's gonna be coming with uh you kinda of see him I guess too, my cousin named Patrick, you know. He's like kind of the yeah, hero. Yeah, he, he was in the video with uh, with you and Joel when Jay was there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, great. Yeah, we're training them too, and they, you know they're really good now too. So hopefully they'll come out and start a little uh, little revolution from SAT. <laughs> hey, you know I I definitely want to see it. You guys were doing good. It was funny because I had wanted to um to get Loki in here with you to build up the the match for for ICW, yeah, yeah. and then you know. The the you know they, they they rescheduled the match and then trying to get in contact with Low Key was was tough and he he, he actually did an interview for um for JAPW because I know he was wrestling there and um you know I was I was a little I was a little tight just a little <laughs> <laughs> why uh, you think he's dodging you or something no 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 I don't think he was dodging but I just it's like it's like you know. I emailed him you know and, and my my fiance emailed him formally like hey you know this is what we're setting up. Like it wasn't, it wasn't no, you know, it wasn't a bullshit interview. It was exactly that, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I, no worries, I man. No worries. So I, he does stuff like this, so it's not. I don't think it's something like that. Maybe, I guess, uh, you know, line got crossed, something like that. Maybe. Yeah, I, hey, I mean, dude, I, you know, I, I was just, I was just tight because the interview he did with the with with these other cats, you know, they were they were like doing angle they were trying to do angles during the broadcast and shit. So I'm like I'm like, yo, I just wanna to talk to the dude just like this, you know, just shop talk, just chilling. So yeah. Yeah, I was a little I was a little bummed, but whatever, no worries. You know, I'm not you know, you always got a an open invite in here, so you know you, cool, can, man. I, love, you I love to be back here, bro. I, I feel I feel like I'm doing like a it it because I don't really I, I talk like this with my cousins only and stuff like that, but it's cool to, like, talk like this to you and have, like, fans listening to me and stuff like that. It's, it's true what you said, you know, at least because I'm seeing me in a different light because uh, a lot of people didn't even know I, I used to talk back in the day. Hey, man, it's great. I, you know, like I said, I like I like having you on here, and, and we have a lot of the same interests, and, you know, the audience gets to hear some of the games and shit you playing and stuff, so it works out, man, you know. You know that, man. It's a, it's a, it's an open-door policy for you. Thanks, man, thanks. Let's come back. All right, man. So, um, yo, when 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 your cousins are ready to to drop, you know, they could come on the air with you. Yeah, yeah, cool. That'll be fun. Uh, I'll bring my my cousin Joel, man. He's he's hilarious, bro. <laughs> yeah, I um, like I said, I want to, I definitely, yo, on the real, no bullshit. I want to definitely get into the school sometime, you know, when the weather clears up or whatever, with with all of you guys, and and really take video and all that shit and get the get the hype machine rolling. Yeah, yeah, of course. All you gotta do is just hit me up and let me know when you're coming, and I'll I'll just let you know if I'm gonna be there or, because I want to be there for this. I have to be there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, dude. You know, it's like, it's like I, we want to take video and stuff, and you know, I want to type up some stuff and put it on the site. So, you know, definitely gotta have all of you guys there for that. 
Yeah. I guess uh, so. I'm gonna just say a shout out to you guys, my Tech Radio man. You guys, you guys are cool, and awesome. Uh, thanks for all the the props and stuff that you guys do for me, and thank you to uh, my friend Mist. <laughs> Uh, she's always looking out for me. Uh, Bayonetta. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, uh, Bayonetta and my and my uh, my fiance talk a lot. You know, it's it's really it, it's really hilarious to watch that, especially Yo, if they yeah, watch stuff the same. I'm on yeah, I'm on the other side laughing my ass off too. Like uh, <laughs> having best friends over here on the low. <laughs> hey, it, it's weird, man. It's it's funny how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but for real, uh, but we'll, uh, we'll we'll keep in touch for sure, bro. All right, man. Take care, bro. All right, man. I'll, I'll... Take care yourself. All right, later, bro. Peace. Peace. All right, you just heard the amazing red. Um, like I said, you can go to uh, his website, which I will put on the links list on our uh, mytakeradio.com, or you can also um, just go to the fan page and you can click it there. I believe. Um, it's houseofgloryrestlingonline.com. But like I said, I'll provide the links shortly thereafter. I'm going to take a quick commercial break, and you're going to get a new commercial from, uh, from the Wrestle Gaming Show. And when we get back, we're going to talk video games because there's a lot of shit going on, and we're going to talk PSP2, and we're going to talk some flicks right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, the hottest place on the internet for wrestling and video games is, of course, WGS Radio. We got it all. News, reviews, interviews with some of the biggest stars in wrestling today, and yes, even... Oh my God! The leader of Team Gooch himself, Nick Dirty says. That's every Wednesday and Saturday night, 7 p.m. Central Time, and of course... For pay-per-views, two hours before every pay-per-view for wrestling. www.blogtalkradio.com slash wgsradio. We'll see you there. All right, and we're back. Let's... uh talk some video games because there is a lot of stuff going on with that. Um, first off, Duke Nukem Forever, everybody's been joking about. Uh, it's coming out, it's not coming out, but there's actually been a release date given. Take-Two announced that the game will be coming out May 3rd for North America and the rest of the world will be getting it May 6th. Uh, to celebrate the release, of course, Gearbox dropped the trailer for the game and that's going to be the same trailer that was seen in PAX. The boobies are blurred out in case anybody's looking for the trailer, but it's the same trailer from PAX that you can probably find on YouTube and in a couple of other sites. Maybe I'll throw it up on our site later on today. Um, so Duke Nukem, May 3rd. For those of you that are playing Dead Space 2, uh, you're going to get a bonus if you pick up Dragon Age 2. You're going to be able to get a Sir Isaac of Clark armor when Dragon Age 2 comes out March 8th. Uh, there's a trailer showcasing the armor, so if you got a game save, for Dead Space 2, and you pick up Dragon Age 2, you'll be able to use an Isaac Clark armor. It looks almost similar to Isaac Clark's armor in Dead Space, but it also has rune slots on it, and it adds bonuses to your armor, including uh, bonuses for critical damage and high dexterity. So you'll be checking that out 
March 8th when Dragon Age 2 drops. So keep an eye out for that. In some Mortal Kombat news, a release date for the game has finally dropped as well. You'll be able to pick up Mortal Kombat for the PS3 or the 360 on April 19th. Of course, this is the new generation of Mortal Kombat. You're going to get, you know, X-ray attacks, new fatalities, um, a completely new spin on the franchise. It definitely looks really promising. I'm liking some of the videos I'm seeing, um, including the new one that showcased Melina. It's definitely interesting for sure to see how they're going to try and refresh Mortal Kombat for the new audience um, and try and bring in new fans for the franchise. It's going to be interesting for sure. Of course, on the PS3 version, you're going to get Kratos. Uh, For the 360, as of right now, I haven't heard any news about an exclusive character. Um, A lot of people would like to see Marcus Phoenix from Gears of War. Um, Some people are talking about throwing Master Chief in there. You know, all this typical bullshit, I honestly feel that for the 360, it's going to be harder to pick a character that kind of fits into the Mortal Kombat universe. Um, A lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, Kratos is in the PS3 version. He is, but he is only in the versus player mode. He is not in the general story mode for the game. So that's that's the difference with that. I mean, Marcus Phoenix might work, but I don't know. I just don't feel that he would translate well into the Mortal Kombat universe, but we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. In some 3DS news, of course, the 3DS dropped, um, and everybody knows it's going to be coming out for for $249. But the big question is, what is the price going to be for games? It seems that GameStop actually let uh, let the cat out of the bag with some pricing for some titles. Um, Dead or Alive Dimensions and Samurai Warrior Chronicles have been listed at a price of $49.99, with rumors that games are going to fluctuate between $40 and $50 for the new portable handheld um, not sure how many of you guys are going to embrace that, given the fact that 40 and 50 bucks uh, for portable handheld games is a, is a bit of a steep price, considering that you know portable games for your you know for the iPhone and the iPad um, aren't any more expensive than 10 to 15 dollars a game. So I think that keeping them at 29 and 39 would have been the right way to go. But again, given the advancement in technology. I can see where they're trying to get more value and more money towards the publishers. But still, 50 bucks for a Game Boy game, it's a bit steep, folks. It's a bit steep. EA announced that there's going to be a new expansion being released for Dead Space 2 called Severed. Severed will be adding two chapters to the single-player game and will have marked the return of two characters from uh, Dead Space Extraction. Lexine Murdoch and Gabe Weller are going to be two of the characters you'll be able to take control of. There's been no price or release date yet, but it's definitely coming soon to Xbox Live and the PlayStation Network. I actually didn't want to go into this in the game segment, but it's something of interest. It seems that an announcement was made that games Oregon Trail and Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego are set to hit Facebook in two weeks. Um, It seems that Oregon Trail will be coming out on February 2nd, and Carmen Sandiego will be coming out February 9th. I'm definitely intrigued to see um, these retro games get the Facebook treatment, not only because the games are getting exposure, but also to see if Facebook is going to become a viable alternative uh, to play certain games online. Um, The Carmen Sandiego trailer, which I'm sure you can see in a couple of other sites, and I'll see if I can post that up tonight as well, uh, looks very promising. The only thing of concern for me is what's going to happen when people – continuously clog other people's feeds with updates. 
not something I'm really um, happy about because it's happened with uh, people that were playing Farmville and Yeovil and Whoville and Fishville and all that shit. So definitely something I'm going to be watching with much interest, especially because Carmen Sandiego is a guilty pleasure uh, from my childhood, as was Oregon Trail. So um, there are definitely going to be two games that I'm going to be checking out. Last night, of course, after years of speculation, Sony took the opportunity to announce their new handheld, um, the Next Generation Portable, or NGP, uh, a.k.a. the PSP2. Honestly, I would just look at it as the, the Sony not going to be playing anymore, um, just because the amount of technology applied to this piece of hardware definitely shows that Sony is not going to be playing anymore. Um, their big announcement is their work with Android, which will allow the PlayStation Portable games to be released through the Android Store. The Android Store will be getting their own PlayStation sub-store, where you'll be able to play games on any of your Android phones or tablets. Now the question remains, will this only be PS1 games? Will this be exclusive Android titles? Will it be games that will be able to be played cross-platform? It's definitely... Uh, something to watch with, with much interest, especially with the amount of hardware put into uh, the next-generation portable. It has a front camera, a rear camera. It has built-in microphone stereo speakers. It also has a six-axis motion sensing system with a three-axis gyroscope and a three-axis accelerometer. Um, in addition to that, there's also a three-axis electric, electric compass. You're going to get a multi-touch touchpad with captive, with uh with a capacitive type, you're going to get an ARM CPU, which is going to be a four-processor unit. It, it's just really, really powerful. You're going to have two analog sticks. For those of you that were complaining about the one analog stick, you're going to be getting two of them. In addition to that, you've got mobile network 3G functionality. You've got wireless networking, B, G, and N, Wi-Fi available. In addition to that, you're going to have Bluetooth. It's, it's definitely all the bells and whistles you've come to expect out of a portable system. Um, the system is going to be using a new medium, which is going to be a flash memory-based card, which is going to be dedicated to the NGP titles. Um, in addition to that, they're also going to be using a standard as um, proprietary, um, not proprietary, they're going to have also a different type of memory unit in addition to that. Uh, the battery life is expected to be the same as the current PSP 3000 unit, so you're going to be able to get four to six hours of gameplay in between charges. Some of the titles that got shown off last night were Uncharted, Killzone, Resistance, Monster Hunter, and Little Big Planet. In addition, they, st they stated that any downloadable titles on your PSP can be transferred to the brand new system. So that's definitely a huge step in the right direction. Now, the big question is price. A lot of people are saying that you, you can estimate a price between $299 and $350. Obviously, with the $249 uh, 3DS, the, it seems that the scales in regards to pricing for portable systems is out the fucking window. You're, you're getting into territory where you're, playing as, where you're paying as much for home consoles for a system that you can take with you anywhere. Now, Again, this isn't necessarily a bad thing given all the technology that they have and, you know, the, the, the touchscreen capabilities, the data that's included, the 3G data that you'll have access to. Um, I honestly think that the 3G data is going to be a factor, especially if you'll be able to use 3G data without any sort of a telephone, uh, cell phone provider, and if it's 3G that's always on. 
will that be a factor in the price? Because, I mean, that's one of the things that's a factor with such products as the Kindle on 3G. You know, if you get a, a Kindle from Amazon, you get a Wi-Fi, and then you get a 3G version, and you do pay a premium for that, but you don't have to sign up for any sort of a provider because the 3G data is built into the, built into the device price. Now, if people are being told that a system is $300 or even 350 again, a lot of people were complaining about the fact that, oh, you know, it's a fucking portable system, it's so much money. You've got to look at it like this. Take a, take a unit like the iPad. The iPad is a multi-purpose unit that allows you to do not only gaming, but surfing the web, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you pay a premium for that. You pay $4.99 for a Wi-Fi unit, and you pay $6.29 to get the, the benefit of 3G. These rules have been ab applicable to various other pieces of technology for a while now. The 3DS for, for $2.49 was... The, the beginning of a new pricing strategy for portable consoles. And you know what? It's, it's something that you have to come to expect. It's the way it seems to be the way of the world. I mean, people are like, you know, the economy's in the shitter. You know, why do I have to pay $300 for a portable console? Blah, blah, fucking blah. The way I see it is like this. If you don't want to pay the $350, do not buy the shit. But don't sit there trolling the console which is a step in the right direction for Sony, especially given the fact that their involvement with Android is, is an acknowledgement of the fact that Apple is creeping up on them. I sa I've said this in multiple episodes. The, the Apple involvement in the gaming atmosphere is huge now, and it's affecting the way people are strategizing. Nintendo continues to rest upon the fact that it's the king of the, the, king of the portable gaming realm, and with good reason. They, they have engaging games that are easy to pick up and play. Their consoles are durable. They can take a beating. And they're just enjoyable to play. Sony's big problem has always been that they invest a lot of money into technology and they don't invest, invest enough money into making people want to buy their games. I mean, it, it's definitely great to see a Kill Zone or an Uncharted or a Resistance or a Little Big Planet on the portable console, but... Once those games release, what else are you going to do? There definitely needs to be a step in the right direction for Sony where they can say that they're competitive in regards to the games they put out. That, that, that's it. You know, it, hardware doesn't mean shit if you've got no games for it. That's been the, the big problem with the PSP for years now. Not only that, but, you know, people are, you know, the, the, the bootlegging of games and the piracy of games is going to run even more rampant if you don't put games on that console on a consistent basis. With that, I'm going to bring Slick on so he can share his thoughts on the PSP2. Slick, what's up, dude? What's up, man? What do you got, my um, friend? What are your thoughts on this PSP2 situation or the NGP? A few things, and I wanted to agree right off the bat with Macy that when the first PSP first came out, it was about $250. So the pricing so far isn't the biggest problem. I think one of the problems is not just with the PlayStation, but with the Nintendo also, these leaps and bounds in, in technology. I mean, you're right. It is the right thing that they're, they're going with, with Android because that was what I said with the Windows phone that they had this, this whole integration with Xbox Live, but you can't really play games, so what the fuck is the point? 
And if, you know, if having integration with Android means that Android users are going to be able to play games, that's great. I mean, regardless of what you can do on the PSP, that's great. It's just that they're focusing so much on, oh, this handheld has the power of the freaking PlayStation 3, and this handheld is like, they haven't really made a comparison with the 3DS, but, you know, they've shown games like Metal Gear Solid and and, um, Resident Evil 5 on it. So, you know, take what you want from that. But they're pushing, they're pushing, Basically, like you said, console-based technology into portables before their time. I mean, you look back at all the portables, and you have, like, the original Game Boy, which was clearly, you know, graphically behind even the Nintendo, as bad as that sounds. But it it just, it, it was about games. It was about giving accessible handheld games to the to the masses. And somewhere I think Nintendo and Sony have forgotten about doing that because they want to give freaking Uncharted and stuff like and Resident Evil Five to people in their hands and that's great and all but these that that makes about that's almost as bad as that system that's gonna let people play World of Warcraft portable. I'm like these are not short, short games or so much. They're not pick them up, put me down games that you can just do that like that. Well, yeah, I mean the pick up and play functionality is definitely going out the window um, in addition to the increase in price. But the fact is that they're trying to make sure that you're getting an enhanced gameplay experience. I think that we've become a society that's become accustomed to instant gratification. So some people really wouldn't mind taking a long, drawn-out game with them on the road. I mean, there are games that you can pick up and play and shut down. You know, we've, we've talked about Pokemon as being a game like that where you can play it for a little bit, you shut it off, you can always come back to it and continue it. And, it, and while it is involved, it's not the level of involvement of, say, a Resident Evil or an, a game like Uncharted. But you've got to take into consideration that with the advancement in technology, the PSP is is really just trying to to place themselves in a, in a, in a situation where they they want to be a number two system. You know, they want to be. They know that a battle with Nintendo, especially now, you know, even if they put out this highly technologically advanced system and it's three hundred and forty nine dollars, the allure of a 3DS for a hundred dollars cheaper from a brand that people have come to expect quality games from is a no-brainer. So Sony really needs to reevaluate their strategy. I think they're, they're working with Android is a step in the right direction because they know that Android is slowly gaining market share against Apple. Even if they need 20 phones to do it, it's still something that has Apple on notice. And like I've always said, Apple is the company you've got to worry about. Nintendo's number one. They're comfortable perched up there. It's the battle for the number two slot that's important. But you, and you kind of said it, and I want to elaborate on that game that, that you know, you say, you're saying people might want to play a, a long, drawn-out game or, like, a long drive or something like that. But, I mean, a game, again, let's say a game like Pokemon, it's basically, 
It's basically rock, paper, scissors, literally. That's the basis of the gameplay. That's something that you can stop for however long and then just pick back up. And even if you pause it, like, in the middle of a fight, you don't really, you're not really lost. If you take a game like Resident Evil or Uncharted, let's say your train stop comes and you just started the last boss fight. I mean, I'm sure just about anybody here that plays games can attest to, you know, being in the middle of a big a big fight on a console system and the phone rings or, you know, their mom calls, some shit that just makes you have to press the pause button. And even if you come back to it a minute later, like let's say it's not a long time, you come right back to it, you hit that pause button because you, you know, basically broke up your flow, as soon as you start that game again, you fucking die. Well, These are not games that are, you know, made to be, you know, just broken up like that. So I'm true. not sure that they, they work well for handhelds. I mean, you you have to think about games that work well for handhelds, and I don't think these are it. I mean, people are going to love having them. But then again, like you said, people are going to want to pay $50 for shit. I mean, I'm, well, I'm not paying $50 for Dead or Alive on a console. Well, that's so the sure problem, you know. It's, it's, evolving. it's evolving at that point, you know, not to cut you off. It's, a, it's, it's evolving to the point where, and this is, this is something that's been happening over time. We're becoming, what they're doing is they're doing it in baby steps. Like when video games were, you know, 30 bucks for consoles, and then they gradually went up to 40. Then they stayed at 50 for a few years. Now they're all 60 bucks, and everybody's kind of accepted paying $60 for a console game. They're just gradually doing that on the portable side of things as well. For years, they've been $29.99, and then the PSP came on. They're like, yeah, well, we're making our games 50 bucks. We saw how that went. But Nintendo now is coming back, and they're like, yeah, well, our games are going to be between 40 and 50 bucks. There really isn't going to be an outcry because if you buy a new DS game now, some of them are, are 40 bucks already. So they're just letting you know that for the advancement in technology and the cool 3D effects, you're going to have to pay an extra $10. See, it's just a matter that they're, they're making people get acclimated on the fact that they've got to shell out more money for, for their, their games. And it's, it's, it sucks, but it's, it's a business model that's going to be happening for years to come where, where you know, in a few years... Who's to say that future generations aren't going to pay 70 bucks for a game and that's going to be considered cheap? You know what I mean? It is what it is, man. But, I mean, like like you said, with current-gen DS games, actually the highest they go is $34.99. The last game that was $39.99 literally was a Pokemon game. But, again, that's because it came with a peripheral that was part of the gameplay. True. And that's the only the, reason why it was 40. Oh, yeah, of course. But, see, the problem is that you, see, you just you just said it. You the, the $40 Pokemon game came with a peripheral, and you paid the 40 bucks. Okay, well, now you're, you're going to be able to buy a game, and your peripherals, quote, unquote, are built into your system. It's like, like, think about this. Think about it if you had um, a GPS in your, three, in your DS, 
when you were playing Pokemon games and the and the and the uh, GPS would actually have the locations based on where you are, where there might be Pokemon available. You see what I'm saying? Like those advancements that you paid to get as an accessory are now going to be rolled into the console you buy. That GPS. Not... <laughs> Go ahead. No, I'm just laughing. I was like, that GPS feature has been in every game since the first Pokemon game. Right, but now think of it being built into the console itself. You know what I mean? Like, like there are certain things that they're going to go out of their way to, to throw these little technical touches into the games to make them useful. That's what's happening. It's like when they were showing the touchpads on the back of the uh, NGP, they were showing um, uncharted footage, and, you know, he was scaling the vines hand over hand, and then they said that you would tilt the, the, the console uh, the handheld so that the accelerometer would dictate how hard Nathan Drake sl- uh, swings from one vine to the other. You see what I'm saying? Those are all nuances that are going to take advantage of that that new technology that's in there. It's like when they added that sort of technology to um to the plate to PS3. You know that they had it where the accelerometer was built into the controller, <coughs> and nobody used it. Yep, nobody used it. You know, it was used I think on Warhawk and like two other games, and then it just fell by the wayside. The real, the real test is going to be, here's all this new technology, and we're going to make sure that every game can use it. <clears throat> I think Sony needs to take a step back and look at how well that works. When one of the titles that they thought was going to be the biggest title ever and it bombed, namely Lair, was so bad with their, with their six-axis control they had to make a new version of it where you had the choice as to whether or not you use a six axis because the original game you had to use it if nobody bought it. Yeah, the six axis situation is 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 one of those things where, like I said, it's it's technology, 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 and not realizing that not every game needs to use that. See, I kind of feel that with the with the with the NGP. Um, <clears throat> They've applied all their creative energies into making this better than the 3DS. And they've even gone on record thus far as saying, yeah, we could have done 3D, but, you know, we didn't want to ruin the experience because, you know, it's not something that we need to sell our system. So, you know, they were already telling Nintendo, like, hey, fuck your 3D. Glassesless or not, <clears throat> we don't need it. We have this beautiful technology that's going to sell the console for us, and that's great. But you know what it is? I, I said it before, and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll beat it till it's dead. Technology doesn't mean a fucking thing if you have no games. It's like, it's like trying to make babies as a man with no dick. Seriously. It, it, it's the same thing. It's like, look at this beautiful technology that's $350. Here's the first game we're going to give you. We're going to give you Uncharted. You don't see a game for six months. Meanwhile, the Nintendo 3DS cranks out 15 games. You see what I'm saying? That's where Sony really needs to get their shit together. You know as well as I do, when the PS3 dropped, they were getting their ass kicked by Xbox 360 and, 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 and the Wii because games were coming out consistently. Then the Wii fucking took a dump, and they put out a game once every six months. And Xbox kept cranking out three- and four-star titles, you know? 
I, I am, you know, and, and I'm sure people that are listening are like, oh, you know, he's fucking shitting on Sony. I'm not shitting on Sony. I love Sony products. I own enough of them to say that I like them. But again, they put the cart before the fucking horse. Don't put out a system without having at least 50 titles ready at launch. Don't. And don't give me the shit that I can download old PSP games and old PS1 games to fucking play. I didn't pay $349 for a fucking emulator. If I wanted that shit, I can get MAME. You know what I mean? It's, 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 because it's, it's silly. Like you said, the, um, the P, whatever the fuck they're going to call it, the PSP2 is going to use some kind of flash memory for cartridges, right? Yep. Which means it's not going to use the UMDs. Nope. Not from what I'm hearing. I'm hearing that it's going to be a completely new revolutionary fucking... Uh, uh, you know, piece of technology to to help uh, have uh, to have the games with you, and it's also going to have a digital format. It's going to use a hybrid of both things. So once again, it's you know it's kind of shitting on the consumer. Yeah, you can get the 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 PSP titles that you can directly download, but nobody gives a fuck about those because you got to no matter what. Everybody has a few UMDs in their house that, you know, they're going to want to um, play just because they have this new shit in their hand. Yep. And meanwhile, the people who have a 3DS, maybe they can't take out their old Game Boy Advance games, but they can still play all their DS games. Correct. You see, because, it, it, like I said, it's cart before the horse. Now, if they said to you, um, hey, Send your games back to send your UMDs back to us. We'll send you a downloadable code to download your games. Then it wouldn't be so bad. But see, it's like we're gonna put out this new technology that's gonna completely outdate and obliterate all the UMD games you got. What happens then? Because that's the, that's well, the funny thing. Imagine, you, imagine if you send got, it in. I would say not even send it in. Give the code from the disc, and then you can download it. Yeah, you can do that, but you know what happens? It's like I was saying, you know, the UMD, remember remember when they started putting out UMD movies and they felt that that was going to be the end-all, be-all, and it was going to be revolutionary, and then people realized, why am I going to pay for this fucking movie when I can rip it and put it on my memory stick? It's, it's little nuances like that that people are, are looking at right now. I'm sure that there are plenty of homebrew communities and modders right now that have a fucking chubby at the concept that they can create emulators and shit for this brand new advanced hardware because they know that Sony isn't going to do anything that hasn't already been done in regards to putting out games. Like, they need to consistently drop a title, they need to drop the, the handheld, and there needs to be, like I said, 25 titles at launch. And don't let people rest on those 25 titles. There needs to be a consistent flow of titles for the next six to eight months, period. Because if not, there's no incentive to buy the shit. None. And they have to be original titles, not, not fucking ports from the PS3 since it's as powerful as the PS3, quote-unquote, but legit games that actually generate interest, games that set it apart from, the, from your home console counterparts. Seriously. Don't, you know, it's like the, the Nintendo is putting Super Street Fighter 4 on the 3DS, 
which is huge because it's not it hasn't been done on a, on a Nintendo handheld in in good in in good execution. That you know that's fine, but don't fucking make me buy a three hundred and forty nine dollar handheld so that I can play God of War: Chains of Olympus with better fucking graphics. Stupid. And that's what I said last week. What's the name? March is going to be huge for Nintendo because the first week of the month they got they got Pokemon. Last week of the month they got the 3DS. And I guarantee you the commercials for, for the Pokemon game are going to have the 3DS logo at the end, even though it's literally Absolutely. a DS game. And Absolutely. every DS game that comes out from now on, you're going to see that 3DS logo. Play it on your 3DS. Not on your DSi. Yep. Absolutely not. It's true. It's 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 going to be an interesting. Uh, I tell you what, 2011 is going to be very interesting because you know Sony has made their intentions known. They have gone on record pretty much. You know, not a, not a hundred percent, but they're they're putting Apple on notice. Like like you're not taking this number two spot without a fight. And if it means getting in bed with Android then we're going to do it. Because you've seen, if you look at the Xperia Play, you know, it's running a, a modified PlayStation Store on an Android device already. So this has already been something that's been well thought out. It's a matter of execution coming into play. Like I said, don't give me a $349 fucking paperweight. Give me something that gives me incentive to want to, continue, to continuously carry it around with me. Because everybody I know that owns a PSP right now doesn't play the shit unless it's for fucking emulated games and bullshit. And anybody you know that has an Android phone that's ever seen a cross-media bar can very easily imagine the PlayStation Store on an Android phone or tablet. Yep. That's right. It's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be very, like, it, like I said, it, it's going to be a very interesting 2011 and Sony's really, you know, they're not giving up the price because they know that in giving up the price right now, it may it may raise an eyebrow or two. But I guarantee you that as soon as next month comes and the 3DS drops and that 249 is firm, they're going to be like, all right, the console's 300 bucks, And then they'll say, you know, for $50 more than this handheld, you can get all this fantastic new technology in your pocket. You know, that's how that's how it's gonna unfold the you know, the 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 console the handheld console wars are gonna be very interesting. And you know for Christmas one one or both of the consoles will have a special color version that comes yep. with a special game and blah 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 just for Christmas. They'll tack on, you know, it'll be three hundred dollars or three hundred and fifty dollars and Get it for a limited time. So they always do Absolutely. Well, we'll see how it unfolds. Do you have anything else to add, my friend? I know. I think I've gone on enough about that one. Actually, before before you roll out, I, I do want to read you this. Uh, Microsoft put out a press release, and I definitely want your opinion on this. They put out a press release about their entertainment and devices division, and the, they sold... 8 million Connect units in 60 days. Sold in the customer, sold in the stores. Hold on, hold on. 
it gets better. Xbox 360 console unit sales are up 21%. It is the fastest growing game console. Year-to-date operating income for the entertainment and devices division exceeds $1 billion. Last but not least, Xbox Live memberships grew 30%, and the Windows Phone 7 is now available on 60 operators in 30 countries. So, you know, Microsoft is doing pretty good for themselves, and they're actually saying in this graphic, this infographic I'm looking at, that the 8 million Kinect sensors were sold, not shipped, but sold in 60 days. I really like to see what the fuck they're playing. Because I can't think of one Connect necessary game that I'd even want to really play. I mean, not saying none of the games are fun at all, but none of the games are the games that I bought my 364. Yeah, well, I mean, you know what it is? It's the casuals. I mean, like I said, I've played the Connect. You know, I've played it at Comic-Con, I've played it in Best Buy. You know, you need at least six feet of open space to, for, it to, for you to enjoy it. And I, I noticed that the games that are there are, you know, they're all games that take advantage of, you know, like Zumba and, you know, EA Sports Athletic and shit. So, you know, they're, they're taking advantage of that particular aspect of, of of the gaming community, you know, they're taking taking advantage of the fact that you know there's a lot more physical games like Dance Central. I know at least 20 people that buy the Connect, and one of the first games they got was Dance Central. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of probably a lot of New Year's resolution purchases also because I hear a lot of people saying they're going to get the Zumba game and this and that and they're going to lose weight with it. And it's like, I'm not saying nobody will, but I want to see how many people actually keep up with it. I mean, it's one of those, it'll be just like the Wii. People will buy it, they'll play with it for a while, they'll get tired of it, and the shit will start collecting dust. You know, it's um, it's funny because the the those games especially the Kinect games, they're all, they all pretty much have the same, the, the same mantra. It's like, you know, you pick up the Zumba game, you know, it's dancing fitness. EA Sports Athletics, uh, the, the EA Sports game, it's all fitness. You know, like they're, they're trying to cater to a more active gaming community, so they're just taking the, the, the people that played the Wii, and they're also trying to get the, the party game community. That's, you know, that, that's what they're looking for. They, um, they're trying to get, like for Dance Central, you know, this is a game, uh, a game and a system that you'll have six or seven people playing together. That's the kind of audience they're trying to grab. It's a big-ass living room. Yeah, well, you know, you need six feet, you know. But it's all well, good. I mean, you know, I'm happy. My house. Nah, the, dude, let me tell you, I've been, I've been on the fence about picking up the Connect for the last three weeks, and one of the biggest concerns for me is space. If I have the space, though, I would have bought it in a heartbeat. I'm not even looking at the Move at right now, the, 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 the PlayStation Move, in the least. The Connect, though, you know, I, I definitely want to play, the, you know, the EA um, exercise game and, and some of that other shit, and even Def Jam Rap Star. Like, that's a good game to have. You know, you have a couple people at the house, people people playing the game, and it's also Connect compatible. So there's definitely a lot of 
a lot of intriguing possibilities with the console. So, dude, 8 million units sold in 60 days is huge. I would run out for the Kinect if they were, there was some indication that, like, as much as I shit on it, because it's just not for me, I'm not saying anything that, you know, it's a good game or bad game, but let's say if they announced that Call of Duty or Gears of War were Kinect compatible, I'd be excited then, not because I give a shit about either of those games, but because it means that the Kinect is now for the core hardcore gamer. This is true. Well, we're going to have to wait and see how they're going to start embracing some of those non-casual titles in regards to, you know, using Kinect functionality. It should be interesting. One thing I've been watching carefully is a lot of the Kinect hacking that's been going on. And, um, you know, they've hacked it to play Street Fighter. They've hacked it to play World of Warcraft. And I'm sure that Microsoft is watching people hack these hack their Connect units and allow all this functionality and isn't already planning on ways to integrate all of that stuff into, into new games when they come out. So, it, like I said, it's going to be very interesting now that the Connect and the PlayStation Move had, have, have had ample time to, you know, gain market share in, in everybody's homes. We're going to really start seeing what the technology does within the next year. And, and I'm telling you right now, and you can quote me on it, one of them is not going to be as prevalent as it was this year. One of them is definitely not going to get as much love and may fall by the wayside. I'm, I'm saying it right now. I'm putting it on record. The, the connect of the move, as many units as it got sold, it's all a matter of whether it becomes a fad or not within the next year. And honestly, I'm going to say on record right now, if I'm wrong, call me on it then. I don't think it's going to be the move because the move came out the gate supporting the games that, you know, the hardcore PlayStation 3 owners want to play. It's not every game, but, I mean, you have things like you have the Sly Collection supporting the move. You have, you know, a small, like, the move-centric games, like, they're similar to games that, you know, the the early adopters were playing. Plus, they, they do plan to support games like Killzone. So I see the move hanging around longer than the Connect. You think so, huh? Plus, again, I mean, I'm not trying in any way to shit on Game of Fit Nation because I think what they're doing is great. But even a fit gamer is a lazy motherfucker. When it's time to game, <laughs> when it's time to game, you want to sit on your fucking ass. You do not want to stand up and fucking jump around all the time. Even sure. if you are a fit person, someone who hits the gym, even every damn day, when it's time to start killing shit, you want to sit on your ass. All right. Well, we'll hold you. I will hold you to it. I will hold you to it, and we will see what happens in the coming months. And if you're right, I will gladly go on air and say, Slick, you're 100% right. But if you're not, and, and, and I'll you know, say I'm wrong. There you go. I'll call in and say I'm wrong. All right, homie. All right, man. Peace. Peace. All right. I'm going to take another quick commercial break, and when we get back, we are going to talk movies. And there's a lot to discuss, right? After this.
box office titles, some box office totals, excuse me. Um, something that I was shocked to see was that the Ashton Kutcher, Natalie Portman film, No Strings Attached, took number one at the box office this week. The R-rated comedy opened with $20.3 million. Um, the film is an easy bet to th- turn a profit of, and make back its $25 million budget. A surprising number two addition was the Green Hornet, which dropped to the number two spot this week with $18.1 million. Uh, The Seth Rogen film has made a decent amount of money, even though it suffered a 46% drop. The total domestic gross thus far is $63.4 million worldwide and $78 million from a budget of $125. I definitely have a feeling that the Green Hornet is going to break even, and some people are even telling me that it's not as shitty as we might all think. I'm definitely going to reserve judgment until I check it out, but it's not doing terrible, so that has to say something. The romantic comedy, The Dilemma, was number three, $9.7 million. It made $33.4 domestically, $35 million uh, worldwide. It has a $70 million budget. The King's Speech was number four. The Oscar-nominated True Grit was number five. Black Swan was six. The Fighter was seven. Little Fockers was eight. Yogi Bear was 9, and still holding on, Tron Legacy was 10 with $3.7 million. It's made $163.3 million total thus far. Not bad, definitely not bad for the Tron Legacy franchise. In some casting news, there's a lot of rumors going around that for the upcoming Superman reboot, they're considering casting Joe Manganiello from True Blood. If you don't know, he played Alcide the Werewolf. Um, as Superman in the Superman reboot. Uh, the Los Angeles Times Hero Complex site tweeted the following. Is True Blood Werewolf Joe Manganiello a frontrunner to play Superman? That's the rumor du jour in Hollywood. Manganiello, of course, played Flash Thompson in the first Spider-Man flick, and he has made stated that he is interested in playing Superman. So it's definitely interesting for sure. Me, personally, I, I've, I've said uh, I'd like to see Matt Bomer from White Collar in the Superman role. I think if you want to go with a reboot, you want to go with a franchise where you can get a younger actor who's cheaper, isn't as well-known. But honestly, and I actually tweeted this a couple of days back, you know, they're looking at Joe Manganiello. Why, what happened to Brandon Routh? What did he do so wrong? Brandon Routh wasn't a bad Superman. The writing was bad. The script was shit. But he wasn't a bad Superman. He was actually very he was actually very good at it and he brought back that Christopher Reeve uh look to the Superman character. I think a couple of the things that definitely didn't help the film was the fact that the plot was shit. And, you know, the costume change definitely, while subtle, wasn't a good idea either. I honestly think Manganiello, he's a little older. Um, not to say he wouldn't be a good Superman, I just don't see him resembling the Superman from the comics and playing him the way he should be played. Uh, again, if he does get the nod, I'm sure he'll do a decent job, but I figure you should go younger and with someone that, you know, you can kind of mold into the character. But like I said, Ralph wasn't a bad Superman. Honestly, 
you know, if you wanted a fucking recast, why not just tell Tom Welling to put the fucking costume on? He hasn't done it on stupid-ass Smallville. He may as well do it for a bigger paycheck. You, you know, at least do something else. I mean, like I, Joe Manganiello, I said it before, not a bad not a bad choice in the least bit, but not a choice I'd see. We'll see what happens in the coming weeks. And like I said, Ralph wasn't a bad Superman. In some TV news, of course, Spartacus Gods of the Arena debuted on Stars and has had the largest premiere yet. It scored 1.1 million viewers at its 10 p.m. airing on Friday, and then it had another 753,000 viewers for the 11 p.m. repeat. This makes it the most watched episode of Spartacus to date and represented a 70% jump in the premiere of Blood and Sand. So definitely... um, a great time to check this series out. If you haven't watched Spartacus, I recommend you can get the first season from Netflix. It is a great season from start to finish. Um, Andy Whitfield in the lead of Spartacus was fantastic. He is going to be replaced in the second season by a new actor, given the fact that he, uh, the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma they had, that he had in remission actually reappeared. So they did recast the role for Spartacus. But Gods of the Arena is a fantastic prequel to the Spartacus story, and I recommend you guys check it out Fridays at 10 p.m. In a bit of what-the-fuck news for this week, uh, John Travolta is close to a deal to portray monster John Gotti in a film called Gotti, which is weird because wasn't there a film called Gotti with Armand DeSante years ago, and all of a sudden you want to do a big screen adaptation with somebody bigger? Uh, rumored to be playing John Gotti Jr. is James Franco. Uh, Nick Cassavetes, who did Alpha Dog and The Notebook, will write and direct the picture. Currently, he is rewriting the script. So definitely interesting to see John Gotti get the big screen treatment. I definitely do not see John Travolta being the person. I'd like to play John Gotti in a film, but I guess they're going, they're going for the big bucks and the big names for this particular project couple of weeks back, I discussed the Wonder Woman TV series that had died um, at the table and was not going to be coming back, but it seems that NBC has decided to pick up the Wonder Woman project, and word is that they're putting McGee in charge of the series. Of course, it's going to be David E. Kelly's project, and it will be appearing on NBC. Um, Let me, a couple of things about McGee. McGee is right up there with schlocky action directors like fucking, uh, what the hell is this guy's name? The dude from Rush Hour. Shit. And, of course, my buddy Michael Bay. I'm trying to remember the dude from Rush Hour's name. It's on the tip of my tongue, and I don't. Brett Ratner. Brett Ratner, McGee, and Michael Bay are from the same school of schlocky action flicks, and I think that McGee, while some people say that according to this article, that he's shown the ability to blend television and a cinema-scale narrative and his great ability to use female protagonists. I just don't feel that McGee would be the best guy for this role. Honestly, as much as people hate him, Joss Whedon would do a fucking better job with the Wonder Woman series than McGee would, but it seems that McGee may be the man for the job. And, of course, in some other TV news, and I posted this on the Facebook fan page, uh, Thundercats is getting a reboot, which I've discussed before. Um, there's actually some photos of the new Thundercats on MyTakeRadio.com, as well as some animation cells that were uh, put there by one of our listeners, Mist, who called earlier. 
And um, the new look for the Thundercats has been a source of much discussion on the Facebook fan page, and I've talked with a couple of people. Um, a lot of people don't like it. Some people don't even like the concept that they're redoing Thundercats. Um, I look at it from a couple of different angles. First off, a lot of the cartoons from my childhood, as well as the childhood of any 80s baby that's listening, um, is He-Man, Thundercats, uh, G.I. Joe, Centurions, if you want to go really deep. And the fact is, you look at all these cartoons, and Visionaries is another great cartoon from my childhood, I remember, uh, Mask, The Bionic Six, Silverhawks, uh, SWAT Cats. You can go down this huge list of cartoons that were all great for their own particular reasons, but the newer generation never had the chance to enjoy them. Not to say that the newer generation are getting better cartoons. I mean, with cartoons like Avatar and Ben 10, things like that, that have really deep, drawn-out storylines, Bakugan, Beyblade, all that shit. All those cartoons were unique, and they provide, you know, they provide great viewing for, for the new generation. In a way, I don't feel bad about a Thundercats remake, just like I didn't feel too bad about a He-Man remake, because the He-Man re- animated series was very well done, and it allows the newer generation to see some of the great stuff we saw. Not to say that the new visions are better, but at least it gives them an idea where maybe they might be interested in finding out more about this particular cartoon and watch the older stuff. I mean, it's happened before. I mean, there's, there's newer stuff now that I've watched that makes me want to research older stuff. I think that in regards to that, I'm happy to see a new generation get to be treated to characters that I grew up watching in my childhood. But the way that it's being done and the plot that it involves is something I'm not too, not too fond of. And before I go into it, I see that we have a call from, I believe it's Dark Helmet. I know that he was very vocal on the fan page about the whole Thundercats situation. Uh, let, me dis- let, let me bring him on so we can discuss it. Dark Helmet, you're on the air. Thundercats reboot. No. Uh, I saw the pictures, and uh, no. I mean, I understand, okay, you want to bring it back, because they're bringing back everything from the 80s and whatnot. But they just don't look right. I know everything's cool. Oh, let's make it more anime. Oh, let's get Chitara bigger boobs, even though she's supposed to be sleek and fast. And what the hell's Pantro? He's not supposed to even have hair. Yeah, Panthro, um, I think they really wanted to emphasize the fact that Panthro is black. Um, <laughs> that's definitely something. He's great. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, look, the animation style, and, and the reason I brought you on was, um, was for that, uh, because I know you were very vocal on it, but I also want to bring this to your attention. Thundercats is executive produced by Sam Register, who did such cartoons, and this is where you're going to see where the art style come from, comes from, Teen Titans, Ben 10, and Batman Brave and the Bold. Hey, hey, see what I'm all anime-based, all, oh, good grief. Yeah, so, you see what I'm saying? So, so you know, yeah. the, 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 the inspiration for the design was, was based on the fact that these are the, the properties involved. In addition to that, Michael Jelnick, 
um, and Ethan Spaulding, who are the producers, worked on, Jelnick worked on Batman Brave and the Bold and the Wonder Woman animated film. And Ethan Spaulding worked on Avatar The Last Airbender. So you see what I'm saying, where the inspiration is coming from? Yeah, I see where it's coming from, but still, there's a certain point where you just don't screw with certain things. Well, you know what it is? We know that it's definitely going to raise a few eyebrows. I mean, it's it's happened with newer interpretations of Transformers, numerous and new interpretations of G.I. Joe. It's never going to be the same uniqueness from, from the old shows. That's a mm-hmm. given. The the thing that, that, you know, and I discussed the plot synopsis before, but um, I'll throw it out there as a refresh. They're saying that it's going to be a sweeping tale combining swords and science, boasting ferocious battles with the highest stakes. The grand origin story of Prince Lionel's ascension to the throne and of those who would thwart his destiny at any cost. In addition to that, the forces of good and evil will battle each other in a quest for the fabled Stones of Power, which I, I remember I discussed yeah. with you and you were none too thrilled. Uh, Lionel Not and Jack learned valuable lessons of loyalty, honor, and mortality in every episode. Ugh. No, just no. I still... <laughs> <laughs> Plus they made Lionel look wimp, but not like Lionel. Yeah, he does look he does look a little a little like a tween. He's definitely got yeah. a real young. I mean, I understand why they wanted to do it because they want pe- they want young young kids to feel a connection to the character that teen angst. So they're probably going with the whole, you know. That's what Wiley and Wiley Cat were for. They they were the yeah, angst. Well, they were the teens. And yeah, I'm well, afraid to hear what the voice casting is going to be. I'm probably going to hear and just shudder when I hear yeah. their voices. Well. I'm sure it'll be coming soon, so once I get more news, I will I will share it with you guys, but yeah, I'm very happy that you called because, like I said, you were very vocal about your displeasure about it. I did want to hear your opinions on the whole situation. Yeah, I can say if I hear Lionel whine or complain in the new ones, I'm going to be like, you have ruined my childhood. Please die in a fire. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> All right. All right. We'll see what happens. Thanks for the call. All right. Hey. Later. Hey, man. The guy's very passionate about his Thundercats. No harm in that. A couple of other things. Uh, last week, I just I discussed uh, Will Smith and Jay-Z doing a remake for Annie, right? You remember that whole thing about Annie and, you know, the Jay-Z working on the soundtrack and everybody was just having a heart attack. Uh, yeah, well, a press release came out today, and it's officially going to happen. Overbrook Entertainment has gone on record as saying that they will be releasing the new remake of Annie. Of Annie. As such, they said that the time is right to bring back Annie to the big screen. Of course, we feel that we are true believers in Willow Smith's talent and believe she will be perfect in this role. Combining Willow with the Overbrook team that reimagined Karate Kid and the spectacular Jay-Z makes this a dream project. A decade ago, Jay-Z proved the power of the underlying Broadway property remains by showing how these songs could be interpreted for a new generation with hard knock life. We couldn't be more thrilled to be working with our friends at Overbrook as they launch this new venture. Uh, you know, 
I don't mind. I mean, I shit it on the Karate Kid remake, and everybody thought that it was solid, but you're, you're remaking Annie. You know, you got Whip My Hair Back and Forth playing the role of Annie, and you, you got Jay-Z involved. As soon as you hear Jay-Z being involved with fucking Annie, your, your perception on this being anywhere remotely good goes out the fucking window. Right now, I really feel it's going to be utterly terrible. It's going to be terrible. But stranger things have happened. People may, people may like people may actually like this shit, and they may call me up in a few weeks and be like, you know, man, that shit wasn't that bad. It was, yeah, dude, it was there. No, no. Jay Z and Annie do not belong in the same sentence. Moving on. This, this particular bit of news I wanted to share with you guys because it's a very interesting article about a film called Rise of the Guardians, which is based on the William Joyce book's Guardians of Childhood. Very interesting, and I'll tell you guys why. Guillermo del Toro signed up as the executive producer for this project. The voice cast includes Hugh Jackman, Chris Pine, Jude Law, Alec Baldwin, and Isla Fisher. Here's the plot summary. <clears throat> There's an evil spirit called the Pitch bent on taking over... The, uh, taken over the world by inspiring fear in the hearts of children everywhere. A group of our greatest heroes composed of the following, Santa, the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, the Sandman, and Jack Frost, band together for the first time determined to stand in the pitch's way. More than a collection of storybook subjects, the Guardians are also a band of superheroes who possess their own special powers. Now joined in opposition of a common foe, the Guardians heed the call and combine their powers to defeat Pitch and protect the world from his campaign of fear. Rise of the Guardians is slated to hit theaters November 21st, 2012. Now, the reason why I wanted to share this with you guys is because, holy shit, it's something different. You're taking all of our collective uh, characters from our childhood, making them superheroes, and putting them on the big screen. Sure, it sounds a little hokey, but damn, it's different. It really is. And not only that, you know, it's a, it's a 3D, which is obvious, CG animated film, and it's based off, you know, the Guardians of Childhood story series. And honestly, I'm not totally against the concept. I actually am intrigued to see how it looks. I'm hoping that they put a trailer out soon so I can get a better understanding of how they're going to translate the characters to screen. But the plot sounds actually, for once, original. But... We'll see how it pans out. Last bit of news before we wrap things up. According to Variety, Deadwood executive producer David Milch has now signed on to adapt Heavy Rain for the big screen. The film is being fast-tracked, so you will be seeing Heavy Rain in the big screen sooner rather than later. Last but not least, the last two bit of news. I said a couple of weeks ago that they were working on a big screen version of Snow White called Snow White and the Huntsman, which is going to be directed by Rupert Sanders. Um, for the role of Snow White right now, it's being rumored that Kristen Stewart is being considered. That's uh, interesting, considering she has the personality of a fucking wet blanket. And she's going to be playing Snow White? Yeah. Viggo Mortensen is currently in negotiations to play the Huntsman, and Charlize Theron will be playing the wicked, the evil queen, or the wicked queen, take it as you will. Uh, Stewart has been a constant rumor, um, amongst actresses like Riley Keough, Felicity Jones, and Alicia Vikander. Emily Browning has also screen-tested for this movie as well. So, 
keep an eye out for this big screen adaptation of Snow White and the Huntsman soon. And, of course, if I hear anything else, I will share it with you guys. Last but not least, everything seems to be getting a reboot, including some of our favorite TV series, much like Thundercats. There will be a brand-new Charlie's Angels series. Uh, there's a new Charlie's Angels series, which is going to be debuting very soon. And as of right now, it's going to be a remake and a reboot of ABC's new series of the 1970 series. The actresses that are scheduled to be involved are Minka Kelly, who you may know from Friday Night Lights, and Rachel Taylor from Transformers are in negotiations to sign on as the last two of the three-women team. Um, Minka Kelly will be playing a former U.S. Marine weapons expert trained in all forms of hand-to-hand combat. Of course, she has a little quirk in being a neat freak named Marissa. Taylor will play, uh, Rachel Taylor is going to play a character named Abby who is described as the youngest and sassiest of the angels. As soon as I hear the word sassy in a fucking uh, plot promo, I want to just vomit all over my keyboard because she's sassy. The beautiful and privileged daughter of a notorious Wall Street cook, crook, excuse me, who is an expert con artist as well as a Krav Maga expert. The pair is going to join... Allie, I think her name is Ilonze, who has already been cast. Again, they're doing it with V. They're doing it with, uh, or they did it with Knight Rider. All this new stuff is going to be remake after remake just to get more people to watch TV. Look, I, I watch V. It's not the worst piece of shit on television, so it is enjoyable. But another Charlie's Angels, especially after we've had two movies, uh, yeah, maybe the small screen treatment might work, but how many legit scenarios are going to make people want to watch this particular series? Who knows? But it's definitely going to be something to keep our eyes on for sure. You know what? That's going to wrap up My Take Radio episode 76 for this week. Uh, that's for Thursday, January 27th, 2011. Um, our guest next week, like I said, will be Carrie Silken from Ring of Honor and we will be discussing the Ring of Honor product, the future of Ring of Honor now that they will no longer be with HDNet, as well as how they separate themselves from the other big two promotions. So definitely tune in next week at 11 o'clock for that. And, um, of course, if you haven't picked up a My Take Radio t-shirt, head over to mytakeradiotees.spreadshirt.com. You can get your My Take Radio hoodies, My Take Radio t-shirts. There's even some shirts for the ladies as well. And there will be new designs and stuff coming very soon. So keep an eye out for that. Of course, if you have any questions, emails, or concerns, you can email me at mtrhost at gmail.com or mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you use Twitter, you can follow my personal account. It's Akuma25, A-K-U-M-A, the number 25. Or you can follow the show account, which is mytakeradio. If you're still in the wasteland known as MySpace, it's myspace.com slash mytakeradio. And last but not least, our Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash mytakeradio there. You can definitely head over to our Facebook fan page, interact with fellow listeners and fans. Not only that, but we have added a new, fun- a new bit of functionality to the fan page with a chat room. So if you want to chat with other listeners in real time, you can head over to the Facebook fan page. If you don't want to leave the security blanket of Facebook, you can definitely head to our Facebook fan page chat and chat there. In addition to that, if you haven't joined our forums, you should, because we also have live video and audio chat in the, in the forums. 
you can go to mytakeradio.com slash forums and check it out there. If you're on mytakeradio.com, you can also click the Wibia bar on the bottom in chat, and you can join the chat room there as well. Slick hosts chats every couple of days, um, talking about a, a litany of things, so definitely pop in, uh, join in on the chat, and interact with fellow listeners. And last but not least, of course, got to give a uh, great thanks to The Amazing Red for coming through. You can head over to House of Glory wrestlingonline.com for more details in regards to the House of Glory Wrestling Academy to check that out. His match with Loki has been postponed till March 4th, so definitely keep an eye out for ICW Wrestling, and I will be definitely announcing that stuff leading up to his match, so keep an eye out for that. Got to throw some plugs out there, of course, to some of our guests and supporters. Uh, GamerFit Nation, who was here last week at GamerFitNation.com, uh, Billy from BeantownGamer.com, Michael Jai White, of course. You can go to his site, MichaelJaiWhite.com, and you can follow him on Twitter as well. Um, the crew at SuperheroStuff.com for always supporting the show. Uh, GamerWave.com, the VGN crew, Don Anderson, who is wrapping up his tenure with the Blog Talk Radio service very soon, given that they will be changing to a new format. So check out Don's show, Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesdays. 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. In addition to that, you can head over to vgnradio.com for any information and scheduling for the VGN shows, which are usually Sundays between 8 and 10 p.m. You can also get the schedule for Cleveland Sports Radio there as well. Some of our other supporters, of course, bornstubbornradio.com. You can check them out and all their work on bornstubbornradio.com. 411 Mania, i got to thank those guys, ocremix.org for the music. MMA Junkie for their MMA news, Film Drunk for their kick-ass movie news. Of course, the Girl Gamer and Gaming Angels crew for supporting My Take Radio, as well as MMA Gospel, which broadcasts Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And, of course, our content partners, MMAValor.com and This Week in Wrestling Podcast. If I omitted anybody from these, from these links, by all means, head over to our links tab on MyTakeRadio.com and you can check out all the links for all the companies and all the guests that we've had since My Take Radio started, and you can check out their brands and their products. With that said, that is going to wrap it up for this week. Thank you all for listening. Of course, head over to MyTakeRadio.com for any of the new content that we post or to our Facebook fan page. That's going to wrap it up. There's going to be some new announcements coming in the coming weeks, and we will be announcing them on our Facebook fan page. Also, if you have a moment, take a chance, like I said, and fill out the survey that's on the fan page. Definitely want to hear your feedback. Want to make My Take Radio a better listening experience for you guys. I've heard some different things about some segments that people don't like. Like I've always said, if you're listening to the live show and it's playing in the background, just tune in when you want the segment that you want to listen to comes up. If you don't want to do that, go to iTunes, the Zoom Marketplace, our app, or you can even get it from Blog Talk Radio or the RSS feed from Blog Talk Radio, and you can fast-forward through the segments you want. But again, your feedback is important, so take a few seconds and fill out the survey on the site. That's it, folks. I'll catch you guys next week. Thank you all once again for your support. Thanks to the amazing Red and Mist for calling in. Uh, many thanks to the MTR crew, Andrea, Slick, of course, Ant, Bronx, Josh, who actually is celebrating a birthday, so happy birthday to you, Josh. Uh, thank you guys all for your hard work and dedication, and we can only get better. 
Catch you guys next week. Peace. Taking us out this week is going to be Go Back, which is from Streets of Rage 2 by, Je- by Gecko Yamori, and you can get that at ocremix.org. <laughs>